Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop his six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. That's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation You got to understand the power of the pyramid. This is Mike Semper from WrestlingObserver.com Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio uh, This is Kenny Omega, we're listening to One Nation Radio Check it out guys, these guys know what's up Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me Goodbye and good night, hey Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio I'm your host James Boyd, and with me I have Rich Lotta What's going on man? Not much, man. Just uh, cooling here on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, been watching a bunch of Narcos uh, a little late <laughs> on it, but uh, that boy Escobar was a bad boy in his day. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an understatement. Yeah, special episode this week. We have with us the Doc Chad Matthews. What's going on, Chad? Oh, man, not much, guys. It has been a, been a while since I've been a part of a podcast. I gave myself uh, a six-month referendum, if you will, at the beginning of the year. I'm not allowed to go back on any podcasts until (laughs) six months has passed since my retirement, so I would not be... so I would not be apt to pull another Terry Funk and come back oh, yet man. again. So uh, it is a pleasure to be back here. It has been six months. The month of July opened up my ability to get back in the game. So it's uh, it's great to great to talk to you guys. It's been a while. See you, Rusty. Ch- Chad's gonna message us after the show and be like. I think that was it, man. I, I I think that was it. And then we're going to be like, come on, Chad. You know you got one yeah, more in you. You still got it? <laughs> you it's know. in the crowd. <laughs> the last ride. The Doc Chad Matthews. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Like, talk about, uh, talking about, like, a abusive relationship. <laughs> or not, not abusive. That's too strong. Toxic. Toxic is the relationship so- word. I don't know if you guys have heard the the newest news. Apparently, there was a hidden episode that is set to premiere or whatever uh, oh, on the network. Yes, apparently, is coming out last ride. the series of the of the last ride. And I assume this is going to be the one where Vince talks him into coming back. You know what this speaks to? Just a blatant disorganization around that that this whole entire outfit in that promotion at all times. The creative and like normally that doesn't. 
you know, get into the production side of things when it comes to release dates for things. But lo and behold, here we are. <sighs> yeah. Amazing. Aren't you glad that we don't talk about the main roster WWE like that often as far as we've kind of stayed away from disorganized, you know, booking. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, so before Ch- before we get into anything, though, we will be talking about Dominion at a later date. Right. Thank I've you. seen the main event. James has not. Chad has not. But we will be back. And I will be on uh, Keeping It Strong Style this week. So do not miss uh, my appearance there and that conversation. Yeah, if uh, if it goes a certain way, I think I might have to like just hop into for uh, for at least the main event. We'll see, we'll see though. Um, I'm just gonna make it let it know. They listen to pipes. Like, oh, I guess James will be joining us probably. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, last week we talked about the first week of uh, Great American Bash versus Fighter Fest, and now we're at week two. Um, Chad, I haven't heard from you on, um, or we, the world hasn't heard from you on um, what you think of so far this whole midsummer Clash of the Champion versus Clash of the Champion type thing. So, what are you, what are you, your thoughts uh, last week and also coming into this week? Well, I will say I'm not a regular NXT viewer. I've not been able to kind of get myself out of the mode of being a takeover only type NXT viewer as I was for so long but Great American Bash certainly the the headline the title of the show going into that WWE vault so to speak from their all the trademarks they inherited through the WCW purchase I you know Great American Bash caught my attention uh, Keith Lee versus Adam Cole caught my attention and to be honest if there's any sort of special edition of a wrestling show right now with the absence of most of the other things I would be watching these days uh, I'm all about it. So I, I thought night one of Great American Bash was really enjoyable. Uh, I listened to your show last week. I was more with Rich on the overall presentation of the Great American Bash. The Io Shirai Sasha Banks main event I thought was a really good TV match. I'd love to see more juice behind that in the future. Uh, I, I thought Fighter Fest was really enjoyable. I'm a lot more invested in AEW, admittedly. So Fighter Fest night one was something I'd look forward to for quite a while. I thought that uh, the things I wanted to be absolutely amazing, Fighter Fest Night 1 really didn't give me that, but I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I thought, uh, um, quite frankly, even though NXT won the ratings battle that night, I thought the AEW was, was the superior show. So going into Night 2 for both, uh, I certainly thought that NXT had a great chance to take it to another level if they could complement what I uh, I thought was going to be a great, great, great main event. But AEW, I thought going into it, the the card even without Brian Cage versus John Moxley just looked really intriguing to me. And I thought, um, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I thought kind of AEW yet again, despite losing the ratings battle, won the quality war. So, yeah, I mostly agree with that. I think that um, I think in a way, in a weird way, that just the overall quality of like there is no bottom, there is no Dexter Loomis versus <laughs> versus Roddy Strong on uh, on AEW. There's nothing that's just like oh, 16 minutes of just like I don't want to watch this. So so, uh, but but yeah, I think that especially going into week two with AEW, like. I feel like night two kicked night one's ass, uh, to be honest, quite honest with you. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, Rich? 
Yeah, I, Fighter Fest Night Two. <clears throat> that was uh, on par, you know, in my estimation, with some of the best like Wednesday um, like shows that they've done, like up yep. there with like the Atlanta episode or the Kansas City episode. Those ones are famous for um, the cage match and uh, Loser Bros and uh, Kenny and Hangman and also the Iron Man match and the Kansas City one. Uh, And this one was just like from top to bottom, it was like, well, uh, super main event, uh, awesome tag defenses. Uh, You had, I think, Archer and Joe Janela carving out nice pieces of real estate. You have one of the best – cable TV matches you'll ever see in the eight man. Um, the, it, like a borderline classic. Um, I, I would say and the, um, well, you have to be, uh, five, you have to be five stars to get a classic. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with this. Uh, I, I, just, I, mis- I misspoke. I gave it five stars and I'm saying it with my chest. Um, and it flat out had one of the, um, one of the greatest spots I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a Canadian destroyer, uh, to the outside of the ring over the top rope onto a crowd of people. I, yeah. I was just, you know, just, 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 just mind blown. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't catch, uh, NXT though. Shocker. Right. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I. I. Uh, I, I thought that night two of of. Um, but night, night two. two of, yeah. Night two felt like my fault. Night two felt like what I was excited about going into the shows, like okay. because I I was high and jazzed up on the Fighter Fest card on paper. I was like, man, this shit is gonna be great. Like, mm-hmm. the, like in a way that I didn't necessarily feel going into double or nothing. It just happened to work out. But um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, night two was was awesome. Yeah, night two is clearly between both shows. NXT or otherwise is the best night of uh, of of this of the four shows. Um, I I feel like um, <clears throat> last week was close, and then this week, if not for Keith Lee and Adam Cole, it in in. Uh, I don't think it is. I, I mean, I don't think it's. I think that AEW decisively won this week, um, and I think it's. Uh, and it's not because NXT didn't try. Like I think that was a good show, but it was not a very good show, and and then damn sure wasn't a great show. But it was just um, between just the level of depth of uh, AEW was just like I I, I don't know like. <clears throat> It was you. You. I feel like Kenny and Hangman. They they saw last week and it was like, damn, that was a build tag match. We kind of kind of make up for that, and they did. Um, and then so, yeah. and then you know, you, you the match you said. You know, you're debating about whether it's classic. Like I know for me personally, like if it's four and a half stars, it's a classic for me. Like just is is there. Like, uh, but that that match is way over four and a half. Like. Or that match is like somewhere between that four and a half, four and three quarter range, in my opinion. Like five, I never thought for a second it was five, but like it is, it is. Uh, you feel like I feel like some people think it's five, but that's how it goes. But um, I don't know. Where do you want to start with this, Rich? You want to go down, yeah, go just, match through yeah, match, or just take it match by match and then, okay. you know see what we got going here. So like we opened up uh, with the uh, the AEW World Tag Team uh, Championships, and would you believe it, James Kenny Omega once again the subject on Twitter of what he was doing or not doing as a wrestler at this point. I'm, I'm baffled by the conversation at this point, especially with um, 
I, wait, wait, I'll probably you, bring this. Wait, wait, can you can you go further in on that on what okay. you, what you were seeing? Because I don't yeah. know. I didn't hear any of this. Okay, I didn't hear Raj Geary from Wrestling Inc. Uh, I guess you know the he's just bringing up that he's not the same as you know he or he's being underutilized or whatever. Sort of. Is is he the world champion? No. Right. However, he has more wins than anybody in the promotion. He's headlined three of the five pay-per-views, if I'm not mistaken. And he's just been consistently the best TV wrestler in the world this year. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, nevertheless, uh, we got the, that tag team match uh, this week uh, with uh, Kenny and Heyman against Private Party. Loved this match. I thought it was... Um, Private Party's best performance since they wrestled uh, like the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks that time. This one uh, felt like they at, they had a lot more um, like awareness of like what they were going on um, or what was going on in the ring. Because sometimes when you see them, it's like I see all the ideas there. I see everything. The wheels turned in their head. I know what they can be, but it just doesn't get there. It got there on this night. Right. Like, I think the thing with um, Private Party is they very much have the notes down. And it's all about adding the other stuff, the, the music, bef- you know, between the notes. Right. Like, they can do virtually any flippy move they want or whatever else. But it comes down to how do they piece it together and how do they, you know, emote when they can. Because it's not, it's like Isaiah Cassidy. There's a reason why he sets up the hot tag because he's the one that's actually the um, the guy that can emote and has has the charisma, whereas well outright traditional charisma where Mark Quinn is kind of like he has a cool to him, right? It, a aura, if you will, and that's and that's why it works for his hot tags. And I mean that also fits in probably with the the shades. He probably he's probably for all we know behind those shades probably terrified eyes eyes as big as saucers <laughs> but you never know because you know that's how they set it up and that's like how they their identity works were like as a team right but they definitely have to get better at the part where it's like all right how do we get from point a to point b to do some of our stuff how do we cut off how do we tell stories if you will without trying to sound like make you want to roll your eyes so um, them being there with Kenny and, and Hangman were like they beat them decisively. It was no bat, no you know supercharged you know three t- or ten minutes of kickouts. It was just like this team is clearly not there yet. They put up a good fight, but we put them away. It, it reminded me a lot of like when Adam Cole beat um, Jordan Miles um, after Jordan Miles won that breakout tournament um, back in the summer last year. Chad, what were your thoughts on it? I thought it was a great match. I thought it was uh, – I didn't think it was, you know, the the greatest match ever or anything. Right. But I thought it was a, a, a notch up from the tag title match a week ago. Yeah. I thought it was in that definitive four-star range. Mm-hmm. I thought that – there's a, I mean, there's there's a really an advantage in AEW to being in the opening match, to being the guys <laughs> that get to set the tone. Um, I thought last week – in the tag title match with best friends it was like okay these guys are expected to carry a main event spot they got like 19 total minutes from entrances on i feel like there's an advantage to just being able to be the guys who just go out there at the very beginning of the show and just let loose um i I think it's interesting what you said about private party growing into the role uh, of being better storytellers i think some of that will come with time right uh just kind of getting more comfortable we don't know them that well i mean they're still relative rookies in the in the big scheme of things in terms of people we've seen a lot 
you get them in a title match where it's just solely about winning, I think that works to their advantage. Um, as opposed to the match like last week with Santana and Ortiz. I mean, some of the beats were there, as you mentioned, in terms of what they can do. I thought the the fact that we were looking at an AEW title match this week just naturally boosted it up a little bit, took care of some of the storytelling issues that might have been there in a different type uh, of situation. Uh, I thought they really rose to the occasion, though, overall. Uh, I thought it was a much more fitting example of what Hangman and Omega can do. And as far as what that guy said on Twitter, I think that stands to... That stands to reason that there's a lot of benefit of not being on Twitter, which I have not been. I deleted my Twitter account at the beginning of the year. Like, you got to come up with some bullshit to say. So, you know, and that's that's like, okay, what, what can I say that will be a hot take that will get some retweets and some likes and some conversation? Apparently, it's to say some stuff that doesn't make any sense about Kenny Omega because that's, you know, that, that would be a very old school thought process to downgrade what Kenny Omega has been doing just because he's in a tag team division. He's spearheading the best tag team division in the world. He owns one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in 2020. And he just continually, um, I mean, he just, I think, I think Kenny Omega has done nothing but continue to enhance his reputation by way of proving his value in a different part of the card. So, yeah. you know, one man's negative is another man's positive, I suppose. But yeah, great opening match, great tone setter. And that's, you know, I mean, that's the advantage of AEW. AEW just gets it. They understand the concept of putting your best foot forward all the time. And um, and who better to put your best foot forward these days than Hangman and Omega in a tag title match? I, I love those guys. As much as I'm intriguing, I'm intrigued to see what they do next. I, you know, they could stay a tag team for the rest of the year and longer. And as long as they continue to produce matches like that, I'll be happy. Yeah, like. <laughs> I get uh, I get a bit of what Buddy is trying to say, but ultimately, like it doesn't really matter. Like, yes, is he does he feel as big of a star when he was a top guy in New Japan? No. Is this guy probably the best wrestler uh, in 2020? Yes. So, and also like we were dealing with a pandemic where people have to wrestle, like you know, either low capacity or no capacity. So what? Nobody does because does Okada feel as big as he did last year? No, look, like that. Look, like, who look, can, like there's nobody that it. feels that way. I was gonna say, we're gonna get into it, right? If, if if Kenny Omega was at such this mythical level, um, that you know, these people claim he was, mm-hmm. and I agree he was, right? Right, but he's not anymore. So, what about everybody else that was at that mythical level with him? Are, are they the same? No, because everybody's fighting in a, t- a pandemic, which is exactly Every, what everybody's fighting age. Everybody's fighting attrition. <laughs> everybody's fighting these wars that they've gone through. Like, and this is—I'm gonna just say this: the era of New Japan that we all fell in love with is over. Mm. It's over. It's finished. It's—it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Going from WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom nine to you could say uh, like the G one last year. It's over. Just just as generations change, times change. It's over. Like when the Attitude Era ended, it's over. I okay, <clears throat> so I'm not there with you on that yet because it's like let's see what happens. Like, can we see what happens when we can like you know 
get everybody in and the pandemic is being like can we can we at least like wait a year after we get vaccinations for this shit to see if that's actually the case because like it's easy to say that like new japan isn't or not new japan but like most of the wrestling this year isn't on par because it's like well it can't be like there's no atmosphere matters production matters we may have the same production some of these cases we don't but we damn sure don't have the same atmosphere to enhance some of these matches to you know the same thing like i love the fact that like nxt half the time in aw almost all the time is trying to put their best foot forward and put on the best match and performances they possibly can but we're still inside of and you know like every wednesday aw does a live dynamite or sometimes they tape it whatever like in and now at this point in like over 85 degree weather all the mm-hmm. time is like like what do you think would happen if they were in ac and there was a crowd of like five thousand people four thousand people like that's just that's just the game we're in like i watched dominion or some of the minion matches this, this uh earlier today Shingo and show in like the tag match, the, the tag title match, they were still great, but it's like we know what it's like if uh, Osaka Joe Hall is filled as opposed to a third capacity. That's just reality. Like, think about the main roster. Like, they are <laughs> they are wrestling in front of an LA in a fucking LA Fitness. That's just what it is. As opposed to the atmosphere of the high production and seeing the crowd in a brightly lit ring, like all of this stuff is hurt by this. All of it. It's just it, it is what it is. So it's like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready to quote unquote judge somebody like the luster being gone off somebody or anybody in general in this era unless it's like they are also you know below standards compared to what you know, whatever situation they're in, uh, that their, t- comp- their, uh, their peers are also struggling with. Like, Naito, uh, or not Naito, let's use another example. Um, who's having a bad year comp- compared to their normal, uh, their normal standard, Rich? Chad, anyone? Thought any name? Uh, for everybody? Let's just say anyone. Like, who's, who's, who's having a down year to their normal standard and is also like... For any sport? promotion? Tommaso yeah, sure. Ciampa. Yeah. Yeah, let's use Champa, right? Like you look at Champa before the pandemic, you look at after, and like now he's off TV. He's getting squashed. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know what the story is behind that, but like you go to Portland, he has that great match with with, with Cole. They shoot the angle to get to the, the heel versus heel Carcano <laughs> final thing, and then, and then and then like now he's got his squash. Like yes, his it, he the bloom is off the rolls on that with that dude, and it's like. That is even below what it would be if, if uh, compared to like let's say someone like Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano still comes out and ha- puts on fucking clinics whenever he's tasked when he's asked to do so. So it's like, what's the pandemic? What's the pandemic and what is falling off? I'm kind of in the business of like trying to call out things before they happen. Right, right, right. Like, and and not say, sneak up on us. Oh, what makes with, you say? That New Japan is that it, it, that that era is over. Like what? What? Okay. what in what way? The Jay White and Kenta and all the cheating bullshit as opposed to going out there and trying to the best match you possibly can. I'm assuming that's what it is. Sorry for talking to you, Rich. That's part of it, but then you start looking at like the rest of the roster, right? There's an aging roster right now. They have odd elevation choices. Um, coronavirus is doing a number on their international appeal. 
they've gone to Okada so often and he's been so great. It doesn't like You're he's had to, to change his look this year, but you can't go back to him again right now just because you've gone to him so much. Now, Tabushi, he's not flying as much anymore. Tanahashi's always great, but he's Tanahashi. He's older. He's a challenger, not a champion. Um, Naito, shell of himself. Ishii, he's great, but he's 45. And like, if you haven't gone I with him before, that, you're never going to go with him now. And like, it looks like Shingo right. is basically like, Shingo is basically going to be think like the it. younger version of what Ishii is, as opposed to, right. like, so you th- see like they slotted him for that, as opposed to and seeing where they can go with it. And all the outsiders, Shingo and Osprey, at the end of the day, they're outsiders. Like, and I'm looking at everybody's. It's an aging roster with not a lot of fresh matchups on the horizon. That's why I say like this thing's like, like we're we're somewhere else. Like we were somewhere else the second Jay White held up the IWGB title, and this is only like going forward now. This is only concrete proof of it. Thought that I had last night watching uh, the Great American Bash. Mm-hmm. Which two nights of Great American Bash, uh, no tag teams, or no tag team right. champions, no no real mention of tag team wrestling. It got me mm-hmm. thinking about where NXT is at compared to where it was at at its peak, and uh, what would it would it make sense? That kind of steering us back to AEW. Would it mm-hmm. kind of make sense to look at AEW as a factor that has contributed to the end of the era that we saw? For New Japan, because I mean, they lose. They, not only do they lose their their number one American or you know North Four. American guy, um, but you know they've also got a lot of the guys that might have ended up there to give them the boost. Same thing I was thinking about with NXT last night. It's like all the tag teams that would have sort of replenished because they had that rotating two or three tag teams at all times in NXT for a long time mm-hmm. that kept that tag team division at its peak and. And all of a sudden, it's like you just see it. It's just not there anymore. I mean, we're at a takeover. Didn't even have a tag title defense in June. I don't know if that was because of the of the coronavirus or not. But I mean, it just seems like AEW has sort of risen to the forefront and taken a lot of the guys that would have gone into the NXT or New Japan pipelines that could have replenished the talent loss. And um, so, I mean, is that is is that a factor in all this? Is I mean, AEW essentially in creating another competitive i mean they've basically gone from you know not even in the conversation at the beginning of 2019 to what i would feel to be the 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 worldwide number two in the blink of an eye so Mm -hmm. you basically have this company that you know maybe brian cage goes to nxt instead of going to aew or maybe um you know somebody like obviously like a lance archer maybe he would have you know kept in New Japan, rising the ranks. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. and he's an older guy too. But just you know, I get just you. spitballing there. So, I mean, because I mean, otherwise, it never really hit me that New Japan had sort of completely gone away from the era. Because I, I, I guess maybe because Wrestle Kingdom this year was such a right was a historic such a historic type thing, and I, I loved it so much. I got so much out of the experience mm-hmm. uh, of watching it. Um, I hadn't really considered that New Japan had sort of ended its era. I think, uh, but I definitely well, feel I like NXT has ended like, it. Oh, well, NXT, I think the thing you're, you're alluding to, Chad, but it, it was like you were creeping up to it. There's not a next class, like, coming, like, of the, the super indie superstars that were just rolling in, it seemed like, from 2017 to 18, like, that's out of here. Well, 
Well, yeah, yeah, that's what the LA Dojo was for. Or that's what it's going to be eventually. Like when you have Clark Connors and whoever else, uh, the other, uh, what's the other dude named? No, I meant for NXT. Oh, for NXT? Yeah. Um, like yeah, they're trying, yeah, yeah. There, there are new people around right now, but like yeah. the next people. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's also that. I mean, it's it's a lot. Like with AEW, thing has changed this perspective. From from, I guess, like it has hurt. Yes, it has hurt both NXT and also New Japan. But I think um, New Japan is better uh, is better planned for for these outcomes, right? Like they immediately go with Jay White. We know that the long play is really well Osprey. Um, you can elevate Saber anytime you really want to, but Saber's is there right now. Um, and then, you know, you also have the LA, the Shibata's boys, as I like to call them. So, yeah. they'll be fine, and you have someone like Master Watto coming in, and he, like, Master Watto, <laughs> that's a terrible gimmick or whatever else, but the boy can wrestle. So, um, they have that. On the NXT side, I think a lot of, it's, it's definitely hurting them more more than New Japan, and then also like with the restrictions, like um, you mentioned that there was no um, tag match at in your house, and like, well, they they immediately broke up this um the the status quo they had with Rilla as a tag team to move Rilla onto the main roster, and that was the catalyst of that was Pete Dunne can get into the country. Um, so I think in you know let's see, I don't know what it's going to be like a year from now, but. The lifeblood of NXT was you're here to do a year and a half, two years, and then, you know, and you have your main event matches, whatever, and then you go to the main roster of Vincent Pritchard and Heyman or Bischoff can can go out there and mishandle mishandle you on TV. Now... Can WWE you? Yeah. Now, um, you you have acts that are just absolutely, like, in a purgatory slash stale state like Ciampa, Gargano, Undisputed Era, like the next person, you know, we do have Keith Lee's champion. Like him, it, it should be him and Matt Riddle's time in theory, but Matt Riddle got moved up too early. Garza was another person that should have been a part of this uh, this coming class. They immediately yanked him out of here. Uh, Street, like, their tag division went to hell last year once they, they you know, War Raiders win the titles and then and don't do a job on the way out. <laughs> right. When I, when I, well, they got pulled. Well, think about it. They won the titles. They defend them one time. They come up to Raw and then they immediately or they come up to Raw and get pulled off. Like that clearly wasn't the, pl- uh, the original plan. Like something got accelerated with that. And then further, the, the, the to exacerbate that problem, Street Profits win the damn titles immediately and then they immediately move them to the main roster. So there's something that's going on uh, with some of these main roster call-ups because check this out. Uh, Vanessa Bourne has been called up to the main roster, James. What? She has been but on TV. But you have no months? idea. Correct. Because there's been a, like turnover backstage. But James, she was called up in January. What? Yes. So story I just read. So she, she had a contract coming up uh. and bumped to the main roster similar mm-hmm. to the riddick moss situation we gonna we don't want you going nowhere so it's gonna be time to pull you up even if you know you're not being used anything like that and you know with the Heyman pritchard uh turnover coronavirus she literally hasn't been on tv since uh fucking june or january so 
has it you been can, January? It feels like January. It's been like, it feels like I haven't seen her since she helped Aaliyah with the broken nose thing with Zyleen. That was like November. Right. So the or she got she got the call up in January. Let's just say that. Okay. And we still haven't seen her. Gotcha. So if that happened with Vanessa Bourne, that right. just makes my mind start, you know, me. I'm trying to always just think a step ahead of something. They see these people that are either going to have contracts coming up soon. Uh, they are going to have to pay them at some point, And then that's your that's what's fucking NXT up. Like they're going to and I, I like like Riddle. That's for sure. That has to be it. Right. Because there were rumors. There were rumors about him or rumblings that he was like, come on, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm older than you think I'm older than I look. Looks don't last forever. I don't want to be, you know, in the Kota Bushi situation where like, you know, or Ricochet situation where it's like, I got all this mileage on my body from UFC and from wrestling, and I, I look great right now, but like, I want to get to this and do it now before all of a sudden the time I get up there, you know, I'm under you. I'm not utilizing the way that I think my I'm, my confidence thinks I am. My, my self worth is or slash like if you're gonna make a mistake, make a mistake now so like I can get this done with and move on to something else if it doesn't work as opposed to yeah just sit there forever. Like so, I I can see that, and you see, you know, they have him up there now. Like they got him off of TV quick, and it's like, well, w- think about it. Like he signed in the middle, like the middle of 2018. Yep, that deal was back when they were giving out mostly three year deals. Just do the math. When would it, when would he be eligible to go up, or when would he be eligible to you know be out of his contract? And a year from now, all right, get him on the main roster now, re-sign him. They've been handing out people five year deals. I, I, I see that. I can see that. And it's like, yeah. I, how, how you know how bad you have to feel to give Matt Rilla a, a five-year deal and then all this shit comes up. It's like, Ooh, you might, instant. he shouldn't be on your TV. Another one that needs probably is like, what is going on? It's like, uh, Velveteen Dream. Velveteen. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Tough situation. T- tough situation. They haven't spoke about it, so I can't speak about it. But, um, yeah, I, that's what I think some of this stuff is, Chad. That's that's true. That's true. And like, gotcha. yes, having another power, like 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 you know, the number two, you know, critical uh, rust promotion in the world out of nowhere, like yeah, that does hurt people. Like, you know, they really thought they really thought they were gonna do something with Trent and best friends or whatever else. And then like he goes, you know, he goes to AEW because why wouldn't he go to AEW? And it's like, all right, well, that's a hole for New Japan's tag division that you know sometimes they care about, sometimes they don't. So like all these things add up all across it's a ripple effect of all yep. you know aw coming around that definitely is like it's a it's a um zero-sum game like the talent is it's pokemon gotta catch them all right between <laughs> all this stuff and it's like aw won their fair share of battles for the next quote-unquote next generation of stuff and it's like who knows what's gonna be you know this next crop of talent um after the pandemic because it's like it's going to be a while before we find some new budding talent or whatever else. Like, who's out there that's not signed somewhere right now? And it's going to be, it's always fun to see yeah. how everybody retools, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's easy to kind of look at it from the downside perspective, but it's always fun. Like, I remember the takeover I went to, the uh, the only takeover I've been to, the one in Brooklyn 2017 SummerSlam weekend. Brooklyn 3. And yeah, that yeah, was Brooklyn. the year, Brooklyn 3. That was the year that NXT was really going through a bit of a transition state from its original sort of peak in 2016 into what it would become in 2018. 
And as of, I mean, in the moment in 2017 yeah. at that show, I mean, if I, if you would have asked me to predict that Johnny Gargano would be gone on go on to become like the the best NXT star ever by way of all the all the things he's done, the takeover matches, the classics, he's like Mr. NXT. I don't know mm-hmm. that I would have been able to predict that even six months prior to the start of the run that shaped that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how everybody responds. And I will say about NXT, I mean, I didn't, I haven't enjoyed it as much these last couple of weeks as I enjoyed AEW. But part of that is inherent to the fact that my investment in AEW is so much stronger. Mm -hmm. I didn't dislike what I saw with NXT by any means. I think, you know, for instance, one of the, one of the talents I'm really intrigued by from NXT that we didn't even see in a match from the great American bash is, is, um, um, Oh, what do they call him? Uh, Carrying Cross. Ah, okay. uh, it's really intriguing. I have no idea where that's going. I think that you know, you look at what Keith Lee being champion means. Uh, um, I think that's awesome. I think that you you saw kind of this trend of introducing some of these bigger guys into the the headlining fold, perhaps, or guys that could be moved up to that level. Because um, I mean, I've not really been all that enthused by what I've seen with Keith Lee from working with smaller guys. I'd ra- I mean, I've loved watching him work big guys, but you know, uh, against Gargano, against Cole, uh, those matches were were good. They were really good. In case I mean, in the Gargano matches case, I'd say it was great, but I wasn't blown away by either of them. I want to see this guy doing crazy stuff with guys that are closer to his size, and so elevating guys like that just to match who's the guy on top right now will be interesting for NXT, I think. Yeah, man. So let's let's keep going through this card here. Um, so we have Lance Archer. <laughs> yeah, got a little off like track. A <laughs> <laughs> yep, okay. yep. So uh, Lance Archer and Joe Janela loved it. Um, this was, you know, a good old, this was a small man that didn't know how small he was fighting a big man that knows exactly how big he is. And I'd love to see him run it again with a Lights Out stipulation. And you could have Joey win that, seeing how Joey doesn't actually ever win. Yeah, yeah I, I thought like it was great. I like the match a lot. Yeah. I think uh, when I went into it, I was sitting there thinking to myself, and this was sort of a running theme on Night 2 for Fighter Fest. Is Night 2 for Fighter Fest featured all of the... Um, all the big time heels that lost at double or nothing that hadn't really had a chance to make any kind of a statement as to what their next step was going to be. And Mm -hmm. certainly Lance Archer was one of those guys. And so going into the match, I I was thinking, all right, he needs a strong win, but at the same time, I really have appreciated what they've been doing with Joey Janela. So I don't want to see him get squashed. So I thought they nice, they they did a really nice job of balancing what, Joey Janela needed to get out of it versus what Lance Archer needed to get out of it. And I thought they both ended up getting out of it what they needed. Lance Archer looked like a badass. You kind of, it, it served the purpose of heating him back up a little bit. But at the same time, Joey Janela got the chance to showcase how tough he is. And, you know, Joey Janela is in an interesting spot right now. And so is Lance Archer. So it's kind of interesting to me to think about what might the next step be for these guys. But in the moment, this was a match that set them up both well for whatever that next step could be. No doubt. Yeah, um, I want to see them wrestle again. I don't know in what way, but like I, I really enjoy Lance Archer being the crap out of smaller people. I really do. So yeah, <laughs> really, it's fun. It's it's so fun to watch him just beat the hell out of smaller dudes. It really is. 
So um, uh, Darby uh, played a video. He said he's been out for a month, but he hasn't forgot about Brian Cage. Um, and then he did a coffin drop off of a tall platform into a foam pit. So uh, Darby, don't give a damn. Allen uh, continues. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know who Travis Pastrana is, but Travis Pastrana is basically like the Tony Hawk of motocross. Okay. So like that was the dude he was out there with. Like, oh okay. He's all, he also too is a thrill seeker. Like he does more than just the motocross. He also does like, um, what is it? The the um, uh, dirt truck racing or whatever else. Like he he also lays an adrenaline junkie, and they both are going to probably get themselves killed at some point. But yeah. <laughs> so um, that Darby uh, segment seemed to play right into the next one, where Taz and Brian Cage come to the ring with a black bag. And then Taz comes out. He says, what, what was in this bag was something that he created years ago with his blood, his sweat, and the tears. And he pulls out the fuck the world championship. <laughs> he says, no uh, promotion has ever recognized this title, but fans around the world know that whoever holds this title is the baddest son of a bitch on the planet. And Cage is no longer uncrowned because Mosley's running from him. Um, and he's the new FTW champion. I feel like down the road, we're getting Darby Allen versus Brian Cage for the FTW division championship. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely in the FTW division. Like <laughs> him, him, Janella, Kenny's crazy ass. Kenny would be in the RVD range and be like, he could do anything, but why is he doing this? <laughs> like, he's like, like, yeah, um, I love this so much. And I we love always. It. Ted, oh, after this segment, I was like, I tweeted in all caps, "Best non-wrestler, send it to Dave now." Yeah, and I've been I've been talking about this for like maybe two, three weeks now. Like, I love every bit about the every single part of any interaction or any moment with Moxley, Cage, and uh, and Taz. And this is another example. Like, you're knocking out the park. And me and Rich talk about this a lot on this show. Was like. Do you are you, do do you want people to get over, or are you are you just saying you want people to get over? And a lot of that comes down to like, are you pushing new stars? Are you trying to you know give? Are you trying to uh, optimize everybody to their fullest potential and pre- and with presentation and storytelling uh, to build to these these um these moments, or or are you just you know just talking about it? And like he. He went in the bag and literally handed handed it down. He literally handed down everything he had. Taz, he, the hand him, I was like, I love this. I love this. This is just like if I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of another other examples of this sort of thing. But it's like it's passing the torch more. It's, it's proverbially passing the torch. Like when we talked about, you know. Back in the 1990 uh, SummerSlam, Summer, or not SummerSlam, WrestleMania six, when like Hogan literally hands the the, the belt to Ultimate Warrior, is like, yes, put put him over. He is the ace now. Whatever else, like that's what we're talking about. These sorts of things that like are defining moments of like, okay, this person reached this milestone, like achievement unlocked. I loved it. No, Brian Cage is, is your guy, famously Chad, uh, and a favorite of mine as well. What have you this. made of? Yeah, what what have you made of uh, his his introduction into the promotion and this segment here in the FTW belt just coming out of nowhere? Generally speaking, I think they've handled Brian Cage perfectly. I think that what Taz has done the last two weeks for for the Brian Cage versus John Moxley match took a match that I would already say was probably number two or three on my most anticipated matches of 2020 list. Uh, 
the first one, by the way, number one on that list was the tag title match from Revolution. Uh, number two on that list was Okada and Omega. Um, or not, not Okada and Omega. Okada and Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom. So Brian Cage versus John Moxley's number three, I, I would say for me. And I think I, I can't wait to watch that match. I mean, it's one of those matches that I'm just, I can't wait to see how it looks. I can't wait to see how it plays out. I, it's it's one of those things that the has being paired with Brian Cage is not something I expected to love as much as I do. Um, and, you know, the FTW title thing, I mean, I, that that's fine. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I, I loved it as much as you guys did, but I, I did. I liked it enough to just, it just, it added that much more fuel to the fire for Cage versus Moxley, which, you know, I, I just, I will, I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. I, I can't wait to see it. I'd be curious to get you guys' thoughts on who, on what you, how you think that's actually going to play out and what you think Brian Cage's immediate ceiling is in 2020. Cause I feel like with the way they've handled this guy, I've gotten out of the mode necessarily of outside of my brief interactions with Rich on Facebook chats this year. I don't really talk a whole lot about what's going on in my head with pro wrestling, what might happen and so on and so forth. Like I did when I was in podcasting mode for six years. So, I mean, it's kind of a weird sort of dynamic. I mean, I look at it from afar and I think, you know, this guy's very, I mean, they've pushed this guy into a, into a mode where, if he's one of the top five guys for the rest of the year for AEW, I wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if he lost and ended up being more like in a Lance Archer type position three, or, you know, the following week after Fight for the Fallen. So tons of enthusiasm going into next week. Taz fuels the fire this week. I'll leave it at that. I think you could fully put it on. Like with Taz, like that act being that strong and you're kind of in the position right now to where you can shake, shake things up. You can always do a rematch. You can, uh, if there's a situation that, that arises where it's like, Hey, have your best match possible. And then like, <laughs> I know you can't necessarily line these things up, but like switch the title, like, like go out there and, and show us why you're the, the champion or, or should be the champion. Like, um, because, like, I mean, Moxley can be the champion. Like, nothing changes, nothing. Like, that's kind of the expected path, right? But if you want to, if you, I think if you want to shake some stuff up, I think if you want to put them over as a serious, real deal act and also um, kind of use it to, I, I remember a couple weeks ago when Abaddon had the big debut mm-hmm. or, or Anna J had the big debut and you were like, oh yeah, this is just going to be the big baby face thing and you know, whatever. And then Abaddon comes out and destroys her and it's like, oh shit, they dumped it on everyone's head. Brian Cage winning would be dumping everything on um, his head and we know he can wrestle and he has the talker to do whatever. I'm talking myself into it, kind of. Um. Okay, so the second that you heard, the second for me when I heard that this match is being delayed and they moved it to you know a third week and made it you know the fight for the fall in the main event, I thought to myself, huh, Tony Khan's nicer to me because as good as I think this feud has been, I would have delayed this shit all the way to all uh, all out. Um, or all in, whatever the hell it's called. One of the alls. So that's, that's how much I love this program. Um, 
I don't. I think it's too soon to move on from from Moxley because Moxley has been so good with it. Um, and I don't think. And honestly, like I think this. I think it's one of the situations where we give if we have Cage win it immediately, then you're at a point where you're like, okay, so we. I'm not comfortable having him come in that soon and just and just winning it without like I think that's something he needs to you know come back around to um, mm-hmm. or you know or he could lose or whatever else and then like take the belt off Cody <laughs> like so like I, there's that option that you know like I I think like he's he's been he's been great I think that he's been impressive and just look at him um, but I don't think he is at that particular level to just come in and just take the belt off of Moxley because Moxley was on a was in great run. Like, um, I you know I if I was going to pick a wrestler of the year based off quality of of um of segment per segment television, whether it's matches or promos, like Moxley would be super high in the world for me. So I I, I don't know about just like just putting that on pause for for Brian Cage necessarily in that way. Um, but like I do love uh, and I think you know Taz and Moxley you know basically arguing over who's the the toughest meanest prick is like I I love this. This is why I love this feud is like what Moxley brings to it with Taz and Taz like taking what um in a way what Jake the Snake Roberts is doing with um, Archer and is doing more to like make it more about Cage than it is about uh, than it is like what happened with um, with Jake Snake Roberts. Roberts is doing a lot of that especially early on was like he's more getting himself over the end over Archer like Taz ain't doing none of that. Taz handing over the fucking ECW <laughs> belt to this man. So uh, I mean I if the match is good enough, I can be persuaded, but like that's not something I would necessarily do. Gotcha. The only way I would see it, from the moment Brian Cage showed up and won that ladder match, my my thought was once the match was announced for fight or for fighter fest, mm-hmm. it was what if they what if they took in this age where it's kind of hard to put together a heated program because you don't have the crowd there to 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 really kind of give you the juice. Mm-hmm. What if they heat up that program to make it more of a factor for all out. They did a title change and then they just title changed it ah. back at all out. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't like a lot of title changes, but I think honestly with Moxley, I'm not, I mean, Rich and I have kind of talked about it in Facebook chats and, and I'd, I've not really gotten the impression that there's any immediate thought process that the successor to John Moxley is on the horizon immediately is anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So if you did that, then you would make, Brian Cage for the foreseeable future. You'd basically give him enough enough emphasis to do whatever you wanted with him for the next year, and it'd be a big deal. Um, while at the same time, kind of giving the giving the the all out main event world title match something more than it maybe would have had otherwise. I mean, a lot of that obviously boils down to what are they going to do mm-hmm. for the all out world title match. But um, it's it's I think it's an intriguing possibility. Quick question for you guys, and I, I don't want to belabor the point, but not having been as dialed in to the internet as I as I used to be, um, and just having a couple of conversations with more casual wrestling fans, is the general consensus that John Moxley is is where he's supposed to be? Um, uh, what do you mean by where he's supposed to be? Like in the role that he's in, he's supposed to be the guy kind of carrying the company in the babyface role. 
Um, I feel like he's done a great job with it. I is it? I never thought necessarily he needed to be the quote unquote uh, ace of a promotion. Uh, I just wanted him to do interesting things. Which is, I mean, he's I mean, he hit the ground running the second guy at WWE. He immediately started doing all of that, and he's been doing nothing but that ever since. Um, but so for me, like, I never really envisioned it to even think about that. But like, I think he, I think he's um, bit, done a very, a very good job with what he's been tasked with so far. Yeah, I think he's on his own little island. I wouldn't consider the company like being built around him right now, but. Um, as James said, like everything he's done has been like awesome. So it's almost like, well, he's the champion. Like he has a belt, but there is another champion here um, that they're trying to, you know, give defenses every week and make you think about. And I think what, what happens with a lot of that is, you know, he had the coronavirus in his house too. Um, So he, it was it was tough for him to get to a lot of these shows. So and uh, I, you know, I, so like it's it, it's kind of weird because I I think um the pandemic has kind of hit his title uh, reign a little bit harder than uh, anyone else I can think of because like he has to go uh, thirty minutes with Jake Hager. Oh yeah, that's like sucks. come on, man. Um, or not sucks, but it was like very substandard. He's he's completely absent from the um, Atlanta shows and QT's gym, so he's not yep. there. Um, he's in and out of some of these shows lately, so it, I think it may just be a fact he hasn't been around. But when he has been around, he's been awesome. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm generally of the opinion that he's right where he needs to be. This okay. is always the place I sort of envisioned him being at. I was happy with the title change when it took place. I'm glad he's the champion. I don't see any immediate reason to take the title off of him. But the two mm-hmm. conversations I've had about John Moxley outside of this one were not exactly glowingly positive in regards to John Moxley as the top guy. So, you know, not oh. dialed in as much to what everyone else's opinion is. I did finish it all. Oh, God. Well, that was one of them. Yeah, that, was, think, that definitely was one I of them. I think the thing for me is like, all right, if you were to ask me best few best TV programs of the year, like main roster, NXT, AEW, um, if you're like, I feel like Jer- or, um, Moxley versus Inner Circle slash Jericho and what we're doing right now with him and Cage are like, those are two of the top ten at the very least. So it's like... Absolutely. What more do you want from him? Do you want him to walk on water? <laughs> like he's doing excellent TV work. He comes out here and like, yes, I don't think he's hit a a Randy Orton um, telling uh, Beth Phoenix that like I love Ran- I love Edge more than you as a heel, and then like calling her a bitch so that she kicks him in the gut and he can retaliate. Is not I don't think he's got a promo like that or like the Ellis Island Cody promo, but. He keeps hitting these stand-up doubles every time he gets on the mic, and it's like, I love this. They hand him the mic often. He goes out there. He 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 he's he's wildly successful every single time. I don't think he. I feel like he keeps hitting these doubles. Eventually, he's going to right. hit one five hundred feet. So it's like, I love I love what he's doing right now. But um, it's not like he's striking out, grounding yeah. out anything. <laughs> yeah, like everything's been on point yeah. pretty much. Like I think what's what's the last like Moxie match you did? Oh well, aside from the Hager match, is there any other match in recent memory that you don't like from Mo- that you either any of the one of y'all didn't really like from Moxley or anything like a promo or direction choice that you didn't really like from him? Like, I, granted, like I wasn't a fan of his his uh, 
of the torture porn Saw movie that he decided to do with Omega. But it's like, that's because in my mind, I wanted like what I got in that tag match that they showed, that they showcased this with. Like, I wanted that. I didn't want that. That was more of a, of a, you know, a, uh, 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 Death an artistic match. choice than yeah. mean disliking it. Yeah, I would say I, the, the the one match I'm not super high on. Just since you asked the question, I mean, there's nothing that he's done that I didn't that I didn't like for that I didn't complete that I completely disliked. Mm-hmm. The one I, I really wasn't. Uh, it's actually you know what I've interestingly enough found with my ratings for matches this year is pretty much everything that I have put a rating on. Dave Meltzer has. Given given the exact same rating. Uh, uh, the, the Moxley and Jericho match to me was a little underwhelming. Like I loved the way it ended and I was glad that they had the title change, but I, th- I felt like for the main event of an AEW pay-per-view, I, I, I wanted more. But I mean, outside of that, I, okay. mean, I thought he bounced back really nicely with the double or nothing match that came out of nowhere with Brody Lee. I thought he yeah. really, I love that match with Kenny Omega last year. Um, you know, I think the the body of work speaks for itself. It, you, not everything's going to hit. I've never thought he had particularly good chemistry with Jericho, going back to the WWE days. So, I felt like what they did in AEW was kind of similar to what they did in WWE. It just was okay. It was very. So, I mean, and not to say it was just okay. It was very good. It just curious. Was what did you more of a three and three quarter star match? That's exactly what I. That's exactly plus. what I gave it. I'm looking through my match ratings, and that's what I gave it too. So I was like, huh? I okay, yeah. So yeah. we're all on the same page. Okay. Yeah. So no, anyway, hey, maybe we, got... we agree too much. <laughs> <laughs> I finish it all. Um, so uh, Butcher and the Blade and Pentagon and, and Ray Phoenix against the Young Bucks and FTR. This Ooh. was incredible. This was Rich Latta's pro wrestling. <laughs> this was just, yo. I, I, this was like tag team Nirvana. You know, one one can say one of the um, best te- one of the best TV matches you'll ever see. Yeah, uh, Bucks and FTR, a, a well oiled unit for most of the match. Uh, Butcher and the Blade just playing their roles like t- to a fucking T. Uh, Love those guys, and then the reintroduction of the Lucha Brothers, like with them getting the win uh, at the end. But just so many great spots all over this match. Uh, I talked about it earlier, but that. Super Canadian destroyer over the top rope. Never seen anything like that. Phoenix is a madman. Nick Jackson is like, you know, he doesn't care. When those two in there with each other is just magic. Um, and, and it seems like we're getting, um, you know, a little bit further kind of notes. Like, you know, I've heard people describe this as like, uh, you know, as far as the Bucks and FTR is like, of course they couldn't win together. Like, they're too diametrically like. There's too many differences, but they work together really well in the match, obviously. And mm. next week we got FTR and Illusion Brothers. Yeah, like the idea. I, I, th- I think the idea is to work for, or, or from my perspective, when we, you know, I'm sure, sir, I'm sure, sure, Sam will talk about this. Is um, I think what they're going to go with is that like they arrive at a lot of the same conclusions the Young Bucks and also FTR. Uh, through different ways like you know they both do stuff pal drivers or whatever else but like one team is literally Tully and Arm and this other team is is is, is white guys doing lucha so it's like so it's like that's that is the rub there and that's going to lead to it's like I mean I don't I don't necessarily think they're going to go like full Tanahasi and, and um and um Omega but like they could 
They could. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. They've they've laid down enough breadcrumbs to get to that to re- come to that uh to that way of storytelling if they want to. Yeah, I need uh, to Jack, see yeah. FTR turn heel to maximize what that, that can be. Like <laughs> I'm, I, I loved the match. You know, uh, I, I need to see FTR go full on into the mode that they were in as the revival and and right. be. You know, because I mean, part of the fun with those guys was always how are they going to figure out a way to, to, to cheat? Yes. The the babyface tag team. Yes. And I guess they can do that in their current role of playing the tweeners. And, and frankly, I'm good with it because I I mean I, I am I have full faith in in Tony Khan and and the and the uh, the EVPs to to put together uh, a really well hyped program between FTR and the Young Bucks. This added way more to whatever that eventually becomes than I thought it would be. Like I thought it was going to go the traditional route of hyping up a lot of tension between the two. And the fact that they even did go down the road of having a miscue lead to one super kicking the other. And they're all just cool with it afterwards. I I like the slow burn. I'm getting the impression of here. I like the idea of them really holding off on this for a while. Cause I think of, I think so highly of Omega and page as as the tag team champions that I would be fully invested in FTR versus the Young Bucks not actually happening until late in the year uh and uh, and you know all out coming up not what 7 8 weeks from now I mean that that being um a tag title match with FTR going up against Omega and Page and so uh but in the interim you know I, one of my favorite things that happened in the match was the Lucha Bros getting the win because I thought you know, those guys really needed something to get them back in the fold and make a statement. I'll be really intrigued to see how the match next week plays out, if there's going to be any sort of interference-laden stuff toward the finish that might actually lead to the Lucha Bros winning again. Uh, but, I mean, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> like, we'll see. I mean, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't think FTR is going to lose anytime soon. But, right. uh, you know, I like I like the way that AEW tells stories. So I'm, I'm kind of like, all – I'm on board with – whatever they're doing and this was just one of those scenarios that enhanced my enthusiasm for AEW in general like okay so I'm always bad with I was bad with their names when they were Dash and Dawson in the, in the revival I don't know what their names are now right but the what Scott I, I, Dawson is Dax Harwood who's the one with hair who's, who's the one that's bald Dash is Cash who okay? Cash Wheeler who, is the one with hair thank Cash you, Wheeler is thank the you one with hair. Yeah, okay. yeah. so the one with hair when he started the match and tried to get in a strike slash chop battle with with Pentagon, I was like, are "The you Pentagon, out? are you, yes, the <laughs> Pentagon, are you out of your mind?" Right, and like for for that to ha- the kick the, the the kick that off, and then to go from where they went, and then like you mentioned, like because everyone talks about the Canadian short, you forgot the 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 in my opinion was like also not as crazy, but also a crazy spot where like they. <sighs> Nick Jackson and Phoenix are oh, in a yeah, yeah, yeah. Greco-Roman knuckle lock by the corner. They both jump to the middle rope, oh. then jump to the top rope, and then Nick hits a uh, a, a avalanche Corona on. I was like, "Yo, this is this is peak. This is you need to take this shit to, to your arena, Mexico, my guy." Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. So, um, like, that was look awesome. At this, look, it was I awesome. Love this. Awesome, obvious cooperation. 
It's brilliant. Give, like, give, give me all the give me all the contrived gymnastic choreography, please. At that point, when you did when they did that, I was like, I need it. Like, I need it. it, it Rich okay, so, pro wrestling at its finest. So when people talk about when people talk about like you know um, storytelling for matches, I'm always like. Look, man, you can do whatever you want as long as you set the rules of of what the match is going to be. Like, Lucha works for me when they immediately come out at the beginning and they start doing crazy shit. Because I know now that, like, that's what we're going with, right? That's anything, Anything's possible. Once they broke that out, it's okay for them to break out the Canadians, the <laughs> the, the uh, uh, the alley oop Canadian destroy on the top of a crowd of people. Like anything's possible now. <laughs> if they started flying, it'd be okay. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like getting back to the match next week, like that that exchange like helps tell the story of that, and you can just almost see like. It gets really heated. Lucha Bros start cheating because obviously you know, they're still doing. They're still probably doing the uh, Death Triangle thing, doing obvious cheating. The Young Bucks feel you know try, as a make good try to you know save the day, and them trying to save the day only makes a lead to you know whatever happens with him them and FTR might cost them the match from them trying to help out. You can see that. You can see that's a that's a way they could go with it. It's like I'm now interested in this feud because before we got to this match, I was just like. I'm not ready to write it off, but this is very, very vanilla and very dry. And now we actually have something to, to work with now. So I'm, I'm happy. So um, after that, Alex Marvez was outside and Base Wall rolled up. And <laughs> she uh, was served with suspension papers. And the announcers explained that Britt Baker petitioned to have Swole suspended for kidnapping and harassment. And then Baseball left. Baseball was upset uh, that no one contacted her. Um, you know, it, she she drove three hours. Someone could have faxed her. Someone could have, you know, called something. And, um, yeah, then she left the building, per se. Yeah. Um, after that, we got to uh, Yeah, so has somebody also been kidnapped slash suspended this year or last year in AEW and there was no suspension? Am I mistaken on that? Pop kidnapped Michael Nakazawa. That's right. That's right. That's right. I asked Tony Khan on Twitter in hopes that he would respond because he is quite responsive. He did not respond. So, um, justice for Big Swole. Yeah. So, um, after that, we got uh, Nyla Rose in a squash defeating Kylan King and Kenzie Page, uh, some of the AEW Dark All Stars. Um, Kylan King is actually a really good worker, but. Uh, they weren't here to work. Uh, they were here to get squished. Uh, so now it cuts a. I thought those were two fans. <laughs> I, thought, I thought those were cosplayers. I have I had never seen those two before in my life. Yeah, yeah. Colin King is solid, and Kenzie Page is like uh, she got solid. She, she, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Nyla cut a promo after the match. She said, action speed louder than words, and, uh, you know, she said she's going to say more words. She sees all these great wrestlers in AEW with managers, and most of them have titles. And she says she's going to have a manager, but she's not ready to, to say who it is yet. Uh, Carl, she just glaring at her, and then they cut to Penelope Ford, and Penelope's like, it's not me, and let your mind run wild on what they're doing here. Who is Nyla Rose's manager? Chad? I'm gonna say it's a, I'm gonna say it's a female. That's all I got. I don't know who. That's I mean, awesome, but I'm going with a female. I I think a lot of us came to that same conclusion, and then like from there, you think of like who are women that are good talkers that AEW has connections with, and you're like, oh, Vicky Guerrero. Um, 
So there's that. Uh, they, they could okay. do Brandy, but Brandy seems like that you're 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 yo-yoing her what she is from week to or not week to week, like month to month or every other month now. With with uh, she she was a baby face, then she was a heel, and dude, I'd be good with that. Now she's a heel again. Is like in all in the span of like less than a year. Uh, I think I, that's her role, though. That's that she's too valuable to just be Dustin's hype girl in the corner. I agree. I think that she, her been value doing a lot is of as matches. a manager. She's been doing a lot of tag matches teaming up with Allie, so they've been doing that for oh, at least a month now. I'm, I'm so glad that's on Dynamite I'll have Dark. To, <laughs> I never have to watch that. She's not a wrestler. Yeah, put put her put her as a mouthpiece for someone. I think that works well. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm feeling like it's Vicky Guerrero, and I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I, think the same thing. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not super me. excited about that because I she's a one note player essentially. She's like a uh, like and we've we, seen we that see, note a lot. Yeah, and, and we see that. like the um, like. <laughs> there are tiers of managers, right? You know, like back in the eighties, it was like, yeah, you know, the um, Bobby Heenan level managers, like Bobby, the main event yeah, guys, the Bobby Heenan types, the uh, and then Jimmy Hart, Jimmy and then JJ Mr. Fuji. <laughs> wow, I thought <laughs> if Sensational Sherry were alive, right, she'd be right. perfect. Yeah, uh, she would be perfect. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Paul Jones at some point talking about like I, I was going to get a number okay. one Paul okay. Jones, okay. but it, it, it's like the manager hierarchy. I, I wonder if they're going to give Nyla like they should have. I'm going to just say it. They should have Taz manage Nyla too. That'd be good. I got Nyla Rose on one side. I got Brian Cage on the other. What's up? That'd be good. Can That'd we do good. a Can we do a revival of the of the Four Horsemen, but have Nyla Rose be one, one of the Four Horsemen and have Tully Blanchard be your manager? Sure. Uh, I mean, they're, I mean, they don't let Tully talk as much as they right. should. Tully ain't doing nothing. He might as well. But he's but he's managing Sean Spears. Tully's not doing anything, so you may as well. <laughs> I said what I said, and I meant that. Um, I do like the fact that she that I, I, if it was she was the second of the three heels that needed to get heated back up and and do something intriguing because she hadn't really done anything since losing the title. Which mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys felt but i was very surprised that she lost the title so um because I, I thought she um i thought she was a good foundational building block she still is but this did a good job of overall of kind of starting a conversation about nyla rose for the first time in six weeks really yeah so um brody lee was in the trainer's room and he had a hematoma on his body uh, after being, you know, whipped into the railing. Colt uh, Cabana. Like, I mean, Cabana, oh, yeah. my fault. Yeah, uh, Colt Cabana, yeah. And that shit looked like, I was like, yo, if that's not, like, sprayed on, like, that shit looked bad. <laughs> yeah. Somebody must have done a good job in the makeup department. That, yeah. That, yeah. Um, like, like for what it's worth, Alvarez said it was legit, but I'm like, how I, legit though? Because well, yeah. like, three cheers to Colt Cabana then. Yeah, yeah like my, I guess my thing really is if it's that colored. Okay, so I saw a lot of purple. I didn't see any like brown or green in like. I felt like I saw a lot of like and purple see, and like gold. Like right. <laughs> I didn't see I didn't see much, and I didn't see much swelling either. Yeah. So, but who knows? Maybe know. you know. Maybe maybe it's a legit injury, and like they put makeup on it to accentuate the injury. That's what I think. It looked like makeup to me. Right. Yeah. Right. That's that was my first thought on it. But um, Mr. Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, and Stu Grayson, who was excellent in this match, uh, yes, took on SCU. 
uh, Scorpio Sky with his. He didn't come out get to come out with his new music. James, have you heard his new music yet? No, I have not. Okay, I'll send it to you. Um, it's all right. Um, but yeah, this was another good match here, and uh, the story here was Cabana slowly embracing the Dark Order. Um, winning matches and, for him. Yeah, He's winning matches. matches for him. Like it is funny because like this is the same thing, kind of like. Is with Dakota Kai in in um, Raquel Gonzalez, where Raquel Gonzalez is the one that ends up putting people away, and then like she gives a little pat on the back to Dakota, go out there and go get her, go get, go pin the person, go do the, the easy work. So, right. uh, but yeah, it, I mean, obviously this is a way more important storyline, but um, if this does take, this actually does take, and he's actually in there for an extended period of time, like. What do you think this means for uh, what do you think this means for the Dark Order as far as far as like where they could go? Like, could they become the uh, the number two f- heel faction? Yeah, I, I would certainly argue they feel more are. confident in saying, yeah, I mean, I think I feel a lot more confident in answering that, that affirmatively now than I did six weeks ago when Brody Lee fought for the title. I thought they've, I think they've done a really good job of following up on what felt like it could be uh, the point in the dark orders history where they just started to slowly fall the way down the ladder. Mm -hmm. And I think this, this whole thing's been, been, been really well done. And, and the tag, the the six man tag was really well done. I think it's, they got a lot of, they got a lot of, they got a lot of good talent in there. I think what they're doing, Brody Lee, um, he was the third guy that needed to hit the reset, and I, I think what they're doing with Cole Cabana is good. I, I don't. What's the what's the what's the second biggest heel faction ultimately mean though? Uh, that's, um, I don't. Well, know. I didn't mean like they could win. I mean like maybe like they can become him and Cabana could be tag title challengers on you know on a big built up uh, program after a couple of weeks of dynamite to build anticipation for that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm, I don't necessarily sure. think either one or, you know, you get Cabana or not Cabana, you get Brody Lee, maybe not now it's too soon. Maybe like, you know, next in a season from now, he gets a, a, a TNT title shot against Cody, that sort of thing. Dark maybe. order has four tag teams in it. Like they are deeper than the Wu Tang out here. Like they have Lee and Cabana, Right. They have Evil Uno and Steve Drew Grayson. Right. They have Silver and Reynolds. That's right. And then they have ten and then they have ten and five. Like (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. I didn't know that ten was tagging with five. When did that start? So they they team up this week on Dark to Come, I believe. So that's Alan Angels and uh Preston Vance. And uh, anyone that's heard this show for any amount of time knows I love me some Alan Angels. Like <laughs> it was funny that I saw Stu Grayson and Alan Angels kind of kind of in the same place because I feel like they're the same guy essentially. Mm, okay. And I feel like you know it was funny that Alan Angels was standing on the stage and Stu Grayson's like I gotta work my ass off in this match. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did just that. Yeah, he did just that. But if I may, I want to make a quick comment about this match in a big picture sense. One of the big stark contrasts for me between NXT and AEW is there are a lot of people in NXT I do not give a crap about. I pretty much like everybody that shows up on AEW Dynamite. Like pretty much every act that shows up, I'm, I'm into them in some way. I just I feel like the the investment thus far made in AEW this last year plus has been very very much rewarded with situations like seeing the Dark Order in a prominent spot on a 
Uh, I liked Jeremy Donovan's statement that nights like Fighter Fest are like dynamite and a half right in between a regular dynamite and a pay per view. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I mean, it, they they matter. The fact that they matter and that the six man tag that goes on before the main event of the night matters is really refreshing as a wrestling fan. Because, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of stuff in NXT, not on takeovers, but NXT weeklies that don't really have that, don't really feel like they matter that much. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in New Japan that I skip, like tag team matches in New Japan. I pretty much skip all the time. But I watch everything that AEW does because I feel like it's going to mean something. So, if we wanted to put that out there. Uh, and I think that just has to do with like them not burning you like, you know, yeah. or there's no like there's no huge history of like, you know, feeling like, all right, well, nothing's going to happen like they from the from the inception uh, of the promotion, essentially, like Jericho wins the first night. He makes an off comment at Scorpio Sky backstage. I always remember this. And then to figure out that it was planned 10 weeks in for him to get a title match after pinning him, being the first man to beat Jericho in a promotion like stuff like that is just like incredible and then you, you can look up and down the card and see different examples of that um so after that uh they announced that next week cody's going to defend the tnt title in an open challenge and it turned out his challenger is going to be sunny kiss so sunny kiss and cody for the tnt title next week ftr and the lucha brothers kenny omega and the young bucks the elite versus jurassic express going to be nuts and john monster versus brian cage next week for the big belt so Next week should be awesome too. Hell yeah, it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, Beast Wool came back in. She was dressed up. Um, <laughs> she looked like she was going to knock Will Hobbs out. Will Hobbs was the big guy in the mask. Um, then she uh, threw her suspensions papers at Britt Baker's nose. Britt Baker comically oversold this, and it was just like, mm. normally I like everything that, that Baker and Swole do. I don't like this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, what they really saw was in a similar fashion to last week's match with the uh, between Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus uh, Wardlow and MJF, where somebody hits somebody, somebody throws some type of strike into somebody's arm, and then that base makes them like connect kinetic or kinetic kinetic energy to hit somebody else in the face, right? So. Um, there was like the push and pull, and then like you know the hand got let go or punched or whatever else, and that hand the hand that gets hit gets f- sent flying into Brit's face, and I was like, uh, I think this one was lame. Like typically everything they've done with with swollen Brit has been fun, but this one I just didn't get into. Yeah. Um. Then after that, we got our main event. Chris Jericho hyped this up as one of the best matches of his career. I mean, stop the cap. I- Stop yeah, the cap. I, 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 can't, I can't say it was one of the best of his career, but it was still a really great match um, to, to end the show. And uh, Orange Cassidy is like, I, I came around on him not too long ago, and I said, I sat on here, I was like, I think this man's a genius. Like, <laughs> and <laughs> he's ever, like, I, I don't know if you heard, I was like, I, I think he's everything that all the old school wrestlers. Uh, claim that they want the young wrestlers to be do the like, least amount of stuff while getting the most reaction. <laughs> yes, like he's <laughs> a funny genius. Like, like Kevin Nash should love Orange Cassidy. Like, like basically, what like, you're saying is like it's Orange Cassidy. Then there's a distance, and then it's like Randy Orton. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like so. 
Oh uh, yeah, like this was awesome. Uh, this was this felt like it had like I think you could have even went with Cassidy here. They didn't decide to do that, but um, it felt like these guys were fighting to win. They were exhausted. They were kicking out of stuff and like setting up great spots all around. This was a to me. This was a classic Chris Jericho match. This was yeah, like seeing how he lays stuff out and. Just being a master, like I gushed, like the last show of the doc says, I talked about Jericho, just the esteem that I hold him in. And this match is a perfect example why. Like, um, yeah. There was a moment heading into the climax of the match when I just, I had a flashback to Chris Jericho <laughs> against Evan Bourne, interestingly enough. I think it was like fatal four-way 2010 or something like that. It and is. And I thought to myself, Chris Jericho has always been awesome at stepping into a role with someone who could be a big deal if someone in his position would just put them over. And what I love about AEW is that... <laughs> sorry. Yeah. sorry. Sorry. All good. Got caught in the wrong... Went down the wrong pipe. Sorry. It's all good. You know, it's, it's it's AEW takes that type of opportunity and puts it in the main event and gives it main event time so that if we're going to see Orange Cassidy turn into a big star, he's going to have every opportunity in this spot to showcase why. And and that's and I thought he killed it. Like if if the eight man tag is Rich Latta pro wrestling, then Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho is, is Chad Matthews pro wrestling. Uh, that's nice. that's this is my preferred style of wrestling that really sort of is measured in what it wants to do. And really, when you get to the point where they start throwing in the near falls, there's been a, a build to it to where by the time you're there toward the end of that match, you just feel like you could jump out of your seat. So... I bought every time that Orange Cassidy almost won that match. I bought every time he was locked in the uh, in the um, in the walls because this is a match that, to me, I didn't really pay attention to the time that was left in the show when I started to watch it. So to me, it was the type of thing that could have ended and been six minutes long, or it could have gone over twenty minutes long. And either way. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised. And the fact that Orange Cassidy just kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him to his limits. I, I, I messaged Rich after I finished watching it on Friday night, and I told him, you know, I feel like all of a sudden the sky is the limit for Orange Cassidy. Now the question is, how do you follow up on it? Because, I mean, this this was a big deal. These opportunities to, to be in the position he's in coming out of that match, they don't come around every day. And, and I'm, I'm full fully invested now in the success of Orange Cassidy. And really, this is a testament to Chris Jericho's greatness. And this is, again, a testament to what happens when you've got a guy who is... I mean, how old is Chris Jericho now? Is he 50? He'll be 50 at the end of this year. So he's almost 50. And he is so different than what we have come to expect from part-time wrestlers. Or from not part-time wrestlers, but aging veteran wrestlers. He just... He comes out, and it's like his mission is to, while maintaining how over he is, make sure that everyone else rises up to his level. I love it. He, he, it was great. He was great. I actually, this was my favorite match of the night. Nice. Yeah, um, really enjoyed the match. I 
I had a hard time believing that that uh, Orange Cassidy was going to win. Um, I I figured it's a situation like where he's going to lose, and then eventually, uh, three months, six months, a year from now, or maybe less than nine months, whatever else before maybe before the year's out, like he's going to catch Jericho eventually. He's going to get a W over Jericho, like. Um, but I really enjoyed the match. It, like you said, it is a Chris Jericho match. Like you kind of could see the where the twists and turns were coming from before, like a beat before they happen. It's like I've been watching do Russell for twenty five years. Twenty five years, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it's uh, but yeah, it was it was a it was a very good slash great match. Like I think I gave it like th- three and three quarters. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed the match. Um. But you know, and also like imagine like you know you also have a damn near uh, uh you know one of the best matches of the year, uh you know an hour before then like you know that's you don't have to necessarily follow it but like there's some steam taken out of the out of the building once once that bomb gets dropped off at nine o'clock or whatever the time <laughs> that match went so um, I thought it was I thought it was you know character performances by both of them um, lets you know that like. The Orange Cassie thing is, even though you already knew this, it maybe if you weren't familiar, like you realize, like this shit ain't no joke. Like he can actually go. Like he just does this because, like it, he found a way to he found a way to make it work for him. Um, and I, I'm interested to see where he de- what developments he makes or progressions he makes with the character um, and adjustments and trade offs he makes as he gets himself more over and you know more opportunities he gets at like this level of match. Like I, I, I think. I don't think I necessarily think that he can become a upper mid carter, but I do think that um, he's somebody that you can put in a main event from time to time, and it'll work. Like, uh, so, so yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think like future champion. Nah, a lot of things have to change between now and then for get me to sh- come off my feelings on that. But like, we're in a great spot with him. Like, he's found money. He's absolutely I, found I, money. He's totally, I, he's totally a luxury. I think that um, eventually, like somebody out of these young guys that uh, that's your Darby's, the Sammy's, mm-hmm. uh, Orange Cassidy. I say young out of like you know young on the national television stage, yeah. um, young in service years or whatever you want. Right, and, and, and you know that whole class like of guys that they have just like brewing there. Someone's got to knock someone off right. at this point. Right. That, that's what that's where we're getting right. to. Like, right. and like, I'm glad as like- we. I'm glad that we were able to disperse that. Like, remember, I was talking a few weeks ago. It's like, is every young dude gonna be chasing after Cody? Right, right. Like, is Cody's gonna be is Cody in three years is gonna be jobbing out to everybody that was a that was a you know a, a prelim guy uh, three years ago or in right now? That's like it needs to be like the wire. Like, there has yeah. to be somebody like coming for everybody's spot essentially to right. to replace them like right like one day yeah you know new japan like sonata is chasing okada more or less right like show is chasing shingo like right you gotta have that and you gotta spread that around so i'm glad they did orange cassidy for jericho as opposed to having another person chase after cody <laughs> when i say that orange cassidy the sky is the limit i mean i i can i can in the short term i think of that as this is a guy that started out the year as a bit comedy player right, right, and who right. at the end of the year could be in one of the three biggest matches on a pay-per-view and I not bad an eyelash. Not in a title match, mm-hmm. but in a really well-hyped upper mid-card match. Like if you put him is against he, MJF and slotted that as the big feet. Well, uh, has he already, done that already? I feel like he may have already done that. 
like the I mean maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering the Pac and, and Orange Casting, but like but as far as successes of the night, that was definitely a top three success, but maybe it wasn't a top three match oh, yeah. going into but the in building as a money match. Hyped. But yeah, I get you. Yeah. Like, like knowing so like it ahead of time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Like if you okay. if you spent the next if you spent five weeks leading up to all out building to him versus MJF. You know, um, and, and in the big picture, I think he's shown enough that um, I don't know what would happen if you put a microphone in his hand and asked him to actually cut an actual promo. But if he can do that, then I mean, I, I really don't see. I mean, the, the people are going to be so invested that have that have spent the time with him coming up through the ranks that I mean, I mean, there's not a whole lot of precedent set for a guy who was a mid card comedy act kind of rising all the way up to the top, but. If he can have a match like that in a main event spot at a mm. night on a night where I mean it's basically everybody <clears throat> knew for the last seven days I think that that was going to be the main event after Brian Cage versus yep. John Moxley bowed out and he crushed it and in every opportunity he's had this year he's crushed it I mean you, you start to wonder if you start to extrapolate that out over a larger sample size what what can't this guy do so all of a sudden to me he's right in the mix with yeah. not, maybe not on the not the I mean the, the the big term big picture potential with the likes of Adam Page and MJF and 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 Jungle Boy and uh, Darby and Sammy Darby Darby like Allen Sammy Guevara I mean, I mean he's he's now if you had have told me last year that he'd be in that mix in the summer of 2020 I would have said there's no fucking way the thing for me was um, <sighs> right after. The last pay per view, uh, Double or Nothing. Um, I remember, like, they did the they shot the Jericho and Tyson thing, and Rich was like, he was so far against because it's like you're retraining some shit to happen on WWE 20 years ago. This isn't like the this isn't the the heart of the promotion. This goes against what you know this promotion is, and like, yeah, they try some things, but I ain't like this. So I end up, I was like. I don't necessarily, I don't like it either, and I don't want to see Mike Tyson in a wrestling ring because it's Mike Tyson in a wrestling ring. Uh, but in 2020, <laughs> but uh, I, I ended up like, well, maybe they know something I don't. So I went and looked at the YouTube video views, whatever else. And you know, like when you listen to so many bad faith um, opinions when it comes to, or propositions when it comes to WWE apologists, they'll talk about, well, you know, this trash segment, like, did amazing, amazing ratings. So, I was like, alright, let me look at what, what Tyson does. And then I was like, alright, let me look at what, like, you know, certain acts do, like, the top top acts do, or whatever else. And you look and you see on their YouTube, like, Orange Cassidy's YouTube numbers are, like, up there with, like, the top four of Jericho and Moxley and uh, Kenny and, and Cody and you're just like huh and then sure enough like a week later or two weeks later you get this Jericho and he's like okay they, <laughs> it, they, they, they know where they're, they're, they're going towards the direction like they're going towards what's hot right now and you know they're capitalized on it and yeah, I, it didn't do well in the rating against the, um, the NXT um, double title match but like for short notice against a, a fucking takeover main event a champion versus champion match. The, right. The biggest match that they had. Like, what do you expect? So it's like, okay, like it didn't do great against that, but it's not because of it. Not it's not because like they didn't knock it out the park because they did. 
Yeah. And like that's the thing I think about when I think of both of these shows as they go head to head when this stuff is like I'm comparing like in a vacuum, is this stuff good? Most weeks, yes. Uh now what's better compared to each other uh, from time to time or, or there's parallels or whatever else to 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 make you know versus type of um comparisons but like that's why i enjoy wednesday wrestling because i can just turn it on it's like eight times out of ten or eight times out of ten episodes between these both both of these shows you're going to get a good show yeah man so let's let's take it over to uh great american bash oh okay so i'm i am we are now an hour and a half, and I don't think we'll be talking about NXT for an hour and a half. Uh, yeah, so this episode is basically a one-match no. show. It's basically a one-match show. Uh, everything on this show is basically like, aside from Johnny Gargano and, and Swerve, that's fucking the best wrestling I saw uh, on Wednesday, um, technical wrestling, but everything else aside from that match and the main event is like two and a half two-star wrestling. Um, the the first match is Candice versus Mia Yim in a street fight. They whack each other with a bunch of shit. They set up a spot where they end up uh on a, some type of ramp or some type of a platform. Uh, there is a catering table. They move the catering table. Uh, Candice is going to power bomb Mia off of it. Mia gets free. She shotgun drop kicks Candice to the floor. Um, to her death. They come back to commercial break. They come back to commercial break, and guess who's in control, Rich? That's right. The person that was just left to die. <laughs> so, um, so they go back and this forth. They go back and forth with technical wrestling in the ring. Um, all of a sudden, while Mia has fought back to her feet and gotten separation, all of a sudden, the referee reaches into his pocket and hands up something to Mia. Then they cut the camera angle, and Mia just magically has brass knuckles. I was like, wait! So, go and, go and rewind it, watch it, Chicanery. sure enough. Chicanery. This, why Mia could not, well, one thing, Mia came out in some over, short overalls with uh, Timberlands on for a street fight, which is like, if you're wearing Tim's and Black Air Force Ones to a street fight, I believe it. I believe it. That That's the appropriate attire. So I don't know why she couldn't keep the brass knuckles in her trunks or in the in the pockets of the of the jeans or whatever else. But they knew that they had to make this this handoff, and they, can't, they still couldn't find the camera angle to hide the handoff. It was awful. So anyway, Mia goes to use the, the brass knucks. Candace is a, is blocking a punch. There's a bunch of chairs in the ring already, um, and Candace grabs a chair, puts it up. She punches. Um, with the brass nuts into a, a chair, they end up uh, later in, earlier in the match. A table got set up um, on top of on one of the corners, like on top of the ropes. Uh, they both end up on top of it. Uh, Mia goes to strike her, strike Candice with the brass knuckles. Candice does small joint manipulation. Uh, shout out to Matt Riddle and and Pete Dunn uh, <laughs> to get to to pry the. Uh, brass knuckles out of Mia's hands, which looks very painful because she is controlling the brass knuckles to get it out of her. So she's, you know, ripping her hand, you know, ripping her fingers to get it out of her hands. Um, she sells her hand. Candice puts on the brass knuckles, clocks Mia, and then hits her old finish, the top rope uh, twisting neck breaker onto a pile of chairs and gets the arm over for the win. Um, they're both on the ground forever. 
and they sell it like they both died. Uh, it was a good match, but a lot of it was hitting each other with shit. Like, um, they started off the match too early with uh, with candlestick shots. They probably should have saved those, like how you know people save chops or you know people you know Flair saves his, or not Flair, but Okada saved the drop kick. Like this, the quote unquote memorable cracking loud stuff. You kind of got to save that in these kinds of match. Otherwise, you triple H laid us out. Desensitize people. Uh, oh, like the Randy Orton RKO. Yeah. Uh, it, it was one of those where, like, let's start out hot. It's like, how about you start out hot doing something else and like blowing through like the the you know the 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 ooh and ah parts of your match. But whatever. I did hear that uh, Miriam showed up with the Timberlands on. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I like that match way more than you did. Oh yeah. Okay. I like I the did. match. It yeah. just it just felt to me as like, how do I say this? Empty arena. Uh, another thing about this match was like. For a group full of paid plants this particular week, for a group full of paid plants, they were awful at at showing enthusiasm for a product that is actually good. Like, the bad crowd dehanced a lot of these matches. I believe that this match would have been well over three stars if this crowd had gave gave the appropriate amount of uh, um, care for it or, or care or whatever. Give a fuck. Same thing for Johnny versus Swerve. Like Johnny versus Swerve, and in, in front of a live audience, that's a four star match, arguably. They they had, like they were like, anyway. they had, like they were watching like I don't know. Uh, let who who could I disparage? Oh, uh, like an Iconics match. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say Swerve and, and Johnny Gargano was bordering on a fi- on a four star match anyway. That was excellent. It was. I just, people are sleeping on that. It is a testament to the negativity on the internet that more people did not like Sir Swerve Scott against Johnny Gargano. I read some reviews of that show. I was like, what the hell is everyone's problem? That was that was fun as hell. It it, it reminded me of uh, last week's tough white man match between. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Chad. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So we. <laughs> okay. So we had last week. We, last week we had Oni Lorcan versus Timothy Thatcher, which I then dubbed like I can't wait to see this match, and I am dubbing it the as a tough white man match. Uh, it's basically two old school motherfuckers going out there and r- being ru- rust, rusty, mean, crusty dudes that beat the hell out of each other. It was not much with all the grit. It's a grit match. Yeah. Yeah. So fair enough. The thing I liked about it was like it wasn't in the typical WWE formula style or traditional style of shine, heat, fight back to your feet, come back, and then near falls. Uh, same thing for this Gargano and uh and Swerve match. Like both of those matches were basically like go out there and have a match that is uh, that breaks the formula and shows the diversity of what we do here. And I I, I loved uh the Swerve and, and Gargano match like some of the they were doing stuff that I had never seen before ground ground wrestling wise at, at the beginning of the match and then like they started going back and forth with like you know as we talk about with Swerve from time to time like the. <laughs> The uh, the the made up on the spot like uh, what do you call it uh, the background the karate yes it's yes just, the makeshift of kung fu yes it's just <laughs> they're so good together like and it's a match that I wanted to see for a while and then like you got you got to see it was like they could even do better if if given more time and, and away from this awful audience um but so, uh, that's it I detract but uh, can I say one quick thing about Mia yeah, yeah. Yim yeah. I went into that, that match 
I haven't seen a lot of Mia Yim because she's only been on one, or maybe she was. Did she wrestle at in your house? Yeah, uh, she did. It was in she, the, she was in a tag match. She, or she six was in a six-person tag, six-person tag, yeah. six tag, six-woman tag match. And um, the, the other takeover match she had was uh, was with Shayna Baszler. Yeah, SummerSlam last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was comfortably the worst NXT Women's Championship match, probably of all NXT Women's Championship matches at Takeover. It just didn't happen. Didn't click. Shayna Baszler had a formula. Mia Yim didn't do very well with it, and it was what it was. But I went into this match like, okay, Mia Yim, this is the second time I've had the opportunity to see you in a singles match. You are still around. You are still getting opportunities. Tell me why. And mm-hmm. I thought that her and Candice worked their butts off. So aside from that little exchange with the referee, I thought that, you know, they, I, I would say it was a three and a half star match. I mean, it wasn't, okay. it wasn't going to, it didn't burn the house down, but it was a really, I thought it really helped me get in more invested in in Mia Yim moving forward and I thought you know Candice LeRae came out of it looking like I mean that that spot at the end the finish was uh that was pretty sick the yeah. the swinging neck breaker off the top rope onto a pile of chairs like <laughs> ow yeah uh what I would say for if, if you were to get into uh looking for Mia Yim stuff from WWE that's easily accessible on the network you can go through her 2018 run on the second May Young Classic tournament, um, and you can also look through. I can't. It was like the beginning or the middle or the beginning of last year. It, they had a a match between Shayna and and Mia, which is like one thing that really annoys me. That's why like, their takeover match made no sense. Right, right. Like they went out there and they had a storytelling classic of, uh, you know. T- or, uh, Shayna does her normal bullying stuff. Mia catches her opportunity to where she's uh, where Shayna hurt her arm or her leg. I remember, and it basically is like, all right, let's see how tough you are when like you bully people and torture them, and they have to fight from underneath. Let's see you like fight under the same circumstance and went back and forth. And they had a great storytelling match. I get that's a match I gave like three and a half at a time too. Um, and but like so, one thing that bothers me in wrestling matchups is like you have a great match. And then, like, so you clearly know how to have the chemistry or the story or whatever else or the elements in place to make lightning strike twice. And then, like, you go out there and and at a later circumstance, like, you don't rely on that or, like, it doesn't match up. And I'm always, I'm always like, you idiots. You had the blueprint in your hands. Why would you go away <laughs> from it? Um, or why don't you just use the, whatever story you told in the first match to, to t- further whatever you do in the second and third and successive matches? Um so that's the reason why, like, uh, for me particularly, like, it wasn't just a dis- it wasn't just a, a match that wasn't necessarily very good. It was also disappointing because, like, I saw y'all before do, do it, uh, uh, Mia and and Shayna. But yeah, uh, she she is a she's very much in the Becky Lynch realm of talking about. Uh, me and Rich have talked about this. Um, the she tore her ACL in 2017 or else. We used to see her like. Um, on in Tampa for Shine, and she was like one of the best wrestlers on that on that um you know WWN scene or whatever else. Uh, so like she tore her knee up, and like her athleticism is not the same as it used to be, but like she's a great storyteller, and that's what comes through in her matches. Like now because of you know the some of the spots that have happened, she's now become like some type of like hardcore legend in, in NXT, but. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like she she's a great storyteller and technical wrestler. Cool. Um, well, yeah, I was impressed at Great American Bash for sure. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so like I said, after that they sell like they went from commercial break with them both on the ground after that that bump, and then um, Mia walks off on her own power, and later Candace, I think she gets assistance to the back, which is like you know. Uh, then they get Bronson Reed versus Tony Nice. It was simple cat and mouse type of thing. Like big man can't get a hold of uh, can't get a hold of Tony Nice, and then eventually Tony Nice he gets a hold of Tony Nice, and he basically lets him every which way but loose. And he basically finishes off with uh, the the big splash. But uh, this was set up because they they showed video of a dark match where he beat up Leon Ruff, and Leon Ruff got squashed by Bronson Reed like two or three weeks ago. And Bronson Reed helped him after he squashed him. And then Tony Nese basically spit this whole dark match, bullying uh, uh, Ruff. And then Bronson Reed was like, "How about you fight somebody?" <laughs> How about you fight somebody that's actually not a geek and <laughs> proceeded to then beat this man's ass? Uh, I, I like the match, but it was a simple, it was a simple week to week thing that I don't really think is going to come of it between either in any way. If this happened in PWG. I think I'd be very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Two so, points. It's mm-hmm. good to see that Tony Needs can still count his abs. Yeah, nothing has changed <laughs> about Tony Needs in four years. Uh, uh, I like Tony Nice, but you know, Nice and Swerve from a couple weeks ago on Two Hundred Five Live. Check that out, Shad. I will. I, I like Tony Nice. Uh, the other thing was that uh, this match and, and and another one that happened later really showcased the contrast between an NXT 1.5 type show to borrow Jeremy Donovan's little analogy and AEW's version of 1.5. You know, when AEW promises you something more than a normal dynamite you're gonna get an you're gonna get a pay-per-view quality kind of show mm-hmm. and when nxt does it they're gonna mix in stuff that reminds you very very much so that this is still a weekly tv yep. so we're gonna spend some weekly tv time building up this bronson reed guy who i'd never seen before but hmm. he was fine oh you know like i said build up some big dudes i will go back like i think it's two weeks ago i think it's two weeks ago um Carrying Cross in a five-minute slobber knocker. Very fun match for like five, six minutes. Cool. Um, they just suplex and beat the shit out of each other. Uh, yeah, so um, then you get a backstage segment where Robert Stone is trying to recruit Shotzi Blackheart <laughs> while she's on her mini tank. Uh, she's actually tuning it up. Uh, and she says no. Your boy, uh, Robert Stone, has a cup of coffee. He gets furious and somehow it goes flying backwards behind him off camera. Then in come, comes onto the screen, comes Killian Dane, wet from hot coffee, apparently. Yikes. He lays out, he lays, he, you know, Robert Stone apologizes, none doing. He gets, he gets, you know, okay. put to the floor. And then Shotzi has tuned up the tank and runs over his Robert Stone's ankle and he screams as if he is being raped with fire ants my god uh, <laughs> yo uh, I thought it was funny but ultimately the only thing I thought was like that has to hurt so much that has to hurt so much not not like the fact that he's selling it but like just the idea of alright we have this play tank and we're going to put a, and a grown adult woman inside of it and she's going to run over your foot over your leg and foot with it and I was like mm, that's, that's painful bro uh and then they cut away. Um, now, Dave Meltzer has 
has uh, told or has, has said that um, the Robert Stone character is a is supposed to be some type of parody of Tony Khan. Um, I have never for a single second gotten any vibes of that. Um, I, and I don't know how this even is. A, I don't know how this. I'm not saying. Look, I don't see it, but if it's there, I don't see how you're supposed to figure this out, even on a subconscious level. Either, any, any, either one of y'all. I think have it's the. Any? I think the glasses like that, that he wears. Glasses? Yeah, uh, yeah. Tony Khan wears glasses. I didn't know that. Um, I they remember have a like similar complexion. I mean, it kind of yes. looks like Robert Stone could be his. Uh, That's his, only because of his, Robert Stone's tan, though. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, his, his gym rat older brother or something, or younger brother. I don't know. Um, yeah, like I, I heard about this a long time ago. Actually, like when he first started like coming in, I was like, oh, okay. And Ooh, I guess whatever. he's a talent recruiter or whatever, and they show him failing to recruit talent or whatever, and just. I don't know. Is, he is had this thing about these anal. He had a promo about analytics and all this other stuff. I um, don't. Yeah, I heard this too, and I, I don't. Rem- I don't recall the analyst thing because if I did, I feel like <laughs> I would have remembered that. And then, mm-hmm. like you know, before the Chelsea, Chelsea left after the Charlotte thing, another person caught up in the vacuum of Charlotte right now. Um, when they were doing these promos to build uh, Chelsea up as like a, a the future of the division or one of the future corner piece building blocks of the division, like. LOL. He's, he he was a good promo. He got her over in what he was at, tasked with being or being asked to do. So it's like, if he's a joke, why would you give him some credibility? I don't get it. Like, if it's a parody, he's a parody. Yeah, maybe it's like all the talent ends up leaving him. I, I, I don't know. I guess. I guess. I guess. Um, Not worth that much time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just you know all right so then we end up getting the uh, the Gargano and Swerve match and like I, I I mean just just great wrestling just great wrestling um match match ends uh basically where they end up on the outside uh Johnny's up hitting a a uh, top not a top rope a a reverse Rana on the floor then throws him into the ring and hits the uh the, that slingshot DDT um but like in between it was lots of just creative wrestling and and stuff that like. I always talk about like Johnny Gargano is underrated as a uh, technical wrestler, and then like he ends up you know getting <laughs> an observer stuff. He's always like put up there as like one of the best technical wrestlers. So it's like I can't really be saying that, but it's like somehow he does more stuff is better than I think he is to begin with. And it's like I I don't know, man. Like I don't think I don't know. I want to see him versus Pete Dunn. That's basically where I'm gonna put it off. Like I need to see Pete Dunn versus Gargano in some type of takeover match eventually. I just got to see this. Nice. That would be great. Yeah, a long time ago they wrestled. Uh, it was a takeover pre-show match. That's. Uh, I was at that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was, was that takeover. War Games? That was Brooklyn Three. That was War Games. I thought it was Brooklyn Three. No, I'm sorry. Brooklyn the first yeah, War Games wrestled Almas. Yep. 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 Never yep. mind. I was not at that show. I take that back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so if I remember right, that was in Houston. If I, I was like, man, Chad, Chad that, that, that daughter's salary is great. Get you around the country quick. <laughs> <laughs> so the we wife will this- not let me travel the country to watch wrestling. <laughs> I don't know Got how it. to transition from that. 
<laughs> I'm so uh, yeah. So we end up getting a great uh, we end up getting this great video package for Tegan Knox and as a as the next challenger to um, Io Shirai next um, week. Yes, next week. Uh, it's more. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but like ever since the in the in the promo to build up or the promo for promo package video package for the triple threat match between Rhea and Charlotte and Io, they show Io basically like in this basically suspended in water and in the dark and like you know she's talking in japanese it's translated and she's cutting these promo talking about like you know she does this stuff alone or whatever else they use this again and interplay like the the differences you know of their life i guess lifestyles or just characters between eo by herself like a fucking you know suspended vampire and then you have uh tegan who's basically like working out and training like outdoors or whatever else to prepare herself for uh this match and she talked about how and EO talks about how, see, me a year ago, when you know, when I dumped Candace or whatever else, like I learned that like I don't need anybody. I do this on my own. And then uh can't and then uh says, Tegan, look at look at what your life has been ever since like Candace turned heel, like and Dakota left you and everything else. It's like you rely on others and that's what makes you weak because these people eventually always end up leaving you. Um so then Tegan points out is like yeah, you do things all by yourself, except for like last week, Oscar came and spit and mist in, in Sasha's face. Um, so that that was the gist of this of the of the video package. I thought it was cool, and they did more underwater EO, which is like I don't know why it, it's it just it's it's different and it's it looks cool. It really does. EO should have told Tegan. Now you don't worry about that because I wouldn't have been allowed to beat that main roster person without her. <laughs> So that that that's you need to stay out of, out of out of my business. Like so, they've been triple. I feel like Triple H has wanted this match to happen for years. He like, wanted he's to been, be the, that was supposed to be the semifinal for the 2018 May Young Classic, and Tegan was supposed yeah. to beat her until um, she blew out her knee, and they had to award the match to uh, Rhea Ripley. Shit, he might have wanted to do that a year before that when EO didn't pass medical and Tegan yeah, got hurt for that one yep. or whatever. Next, so yeah. this is amazing. Like Triple H just willed this. Like this will happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This kind of his white well. Yeah, because they've been trying to see that seventeen. That's true. That's true. Um, it only amplifies my interest in seeing it. Didn't know that. I didn't know that. But the between that and the video package they showed on great american bash i'm pumped about that match now yeah like it, it, it's a great takeover match that they're doing on free you know, tv yeah in two anyway. weeks yeah so then we end up getting um elegato del fantasma versus uh drake maverick and brizango um Ooh. this match did not work to for me until uh all options were um all options were basically nullified, and you were left with a hot tag where you have Drake Maverick on, on in the or on the apron, and you have Fantasma on the. Uh, I'm sorry, Santos Escobar slash Fantasma on the apron, and they got in there and they wrestled, and it reminded you of you know the the final to the Cruiserweight tournament, and then out of fucking nowhere, they decided to go with the worst possible finish they could come up with for this program slash uh whatever they can come out with for tv uh basically they end up in the ring drake runs hot he gets cut off and then phantasma hits his finish and well that's it now right that's right why the fuck would you do this um 
I'm not saying you need to beat Phantasma. I'm say I'm not saying that uh you shouldn't beat one of uh Febrezer for one of the members of Febreze. But the worst finish you could possibly come up with is, is the to, champion. Is the champion who Pinning won the singles who guy. won by swerving the baby face that was supposed to lead to a future in this program, just beating him clean. It's a wrap. Why should yeah. he get now you have now in theory if he's going to get a title shot eventually down the line if they're if they're even going to continue with this thing he should be made to have to go through more hoops to go ch- get back what he you know the the luster he's lost right yeah I think um I think you keep both of them out of the finish and then you have like Tyler Breeze lose to the tag team and completely like protect it both There's ways six people in the ring. And they ch- there's six different people in the ring, which means there are six people that can be beaten. They pick the worst person to pin. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, if this is over, Bad cool. News. But that mean like that means bring Kushida or Swerve, but Swerve may be doing Elevated. something else. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Uh. What do you think of this match, Chad? Yeah. Whatever. You right. know, it was another one of those. You know, with with being more of a takeover only NXT fan, if you're not gonna present. Each of the matches on this, you know, NXT one and a half as takeover like, then it's hard for me to care. Like, I mean, I I got I got more out of the promo segment last week, which I really liked with uh, right. El, you know, whatever they are. Santos uh, Escobar. Oh, El Legato de Fantasma. Woo. Yeah, and, and uh, I always you know I always liked King Cuerno in, in in Lucha Underground and um. And I, I was, I mean, it took me a second. I was like, that this guy, that tattoo looks familiar. And then the, <laughs> the Phantasma thing, like, oh yeah, that's King Cuerno. Like, looks like King Cuerno has been eating a lot more as of late <laughs> than he did when he was King Cuerno. King Cuerno was ripped. Santos Escobar isn't. Santos Escobar that's runs, the main thing. runs an organization and he's eating well. Yes. <laughs> if that's my main takeaway, I think that goes to show how invested I was. Yeah. Um I was I, could, oh, I don't know I if you followed any of the uh the the Cruiserweight tournament but like I did not. Uh, okay, so uh, I I know you're not going to believe it but I told the same thing to Rich a week before and Rich laughed at it and then the ratings came back on it. Like during that tournament, that whole month, like the best baby face in professional wrestling or Western professional wrestling was Drake Maverick. He was aspiring. He was cutting great, great promos. He was having these great storytelling matches, and sometimes his his work would actually match up with his actual like stories that that were laid out. Like he was doing very very well, and then like and then you had like the swerve at the end where like. Fantastic was a good guy, but all along, like, this is just a long play to a long con or whatever else, and he's actually a, a heel, and these two mass luchadors that have been beating up everybody uh, that he has, like, ran off from time to time are actually his really his lackeys and goons. Like, it was very well done, and uh, when they stretched him, uh, Fantasma, Fantasma gave him a... Um, his finish off of that same platform that they were, that they were using for Candace and Mia like through a table and then it stretched him off in an ambulance like 
it was going very, very well. And they just like, it's almost like they just said, they pumped the brakes on like one of the best views they were doing. It was uh, best programs they were doing. It was weird. It's, it's very weird <laughs> to me why they did this, uh, but whatever. Uh, was that so, tournament worth checking out? I mean, I, I saw that there was one and I, I saw that King Cuerno was in it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So was um, it, was the tournament itself worth checking out? The triple there most of the matches are but there was like one week where they decided to do like f- five minute matches um so it. it's up to you but like for the most part like 75 75 percent of the matches are quality matches were they on nxt or was it on 205 they were Live? all on nxt tweet okay yeah um like they, it was a six-person tournament and they broke them in the blocks of three um gotcha. like yeah a block was uh, Maverick and Jake Atlas and uh, Kushida, and block B was Swerve, Tony Nese, and Phantasma. Nice, that's a good collection. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so what was I gonna say? Yeah. So then we end up getting uh, Mercedes Martinez redebut. Go ahead, Rich. Go ahead, Rich. This pissed me off, and I didn't watch the show. What I, I, I want to hear. I would want you. I want you to express your anger, and then after you express your anger, then I want you to, to, to tell uh, Chad what your anger is about. Go ahead. Describe your when anger first. I when I saw like what happened with Mercedes Martinez's debut, I just immediately got furious. Like there are so few things that I like in this company, and the things that I like, they fucking take them away. <laughs> These people can't be trusted. They can go to hell. Like Tony Schiavone said, how dare they change Mercedes Martinez's theme music? Oh, okay. Gotcha. I'm like, what are we talking about here? How is this dare Splash theme somebody? Music? This is bullshit. Okay. So, you know what that reminds me of? I'm sorry. Quick, quick story. I'll yeah. never forget it. Remember when The Rock and Goldberg fought at Backlash 2003? Oh, yep, I know what you're about to say. Go yep. ahead. I will never forget it. The guy sitting next to me, he didn't say a peep the entire time we were in the Hooters where I was watching that show. And uh, and, and, and Goldberg's music hit. And he, and he gets <laughs> up. He's like, how are they going to change Bill Goldberg's theme music? Right. He walks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Like you have okay, so as a person that stopped watching wrestling uh, in 2000, then to get back into it until 2009, and or, or really 2011, and then like did a bunch of quote unquote uh, YouTube uh, research to find out to go back and watch like the Goldberg stuff, and then like to hear that knockoff music they use it was like this isn't right. It's like what is this? Why would they just switch it? Why would they not just pay whatever it is for to, to get it? And then, like, you know, 2016 comes around, and then they have the Goldberg music. It's like, gee, I, I wonder, wonder, why, I wonder why this is also successful when they did it now, this time around. Like, they let him be Goldberg, have Goldberg matches, gave him, his, gave him the same interest from WCW when he was the second biggest star in 1998. It's like, this isn't that goddamn hard, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, like Mercedes Martinez, you know, did the first and second May Young Classic tournaments, um, never got signed, was a veteran around. I think she's been, I think she's almost like a 20 year veteran at this point. Yeah. Um, 
but anyway, like she's one of the she's if you want to have your quote unquote Mae Young Classic Hall of Fame, she'd be one of the people that's in it. Like she she has the in my opinion the best match in the Mae Young Classic's history. Her match with Mako Satomura, and I think that's a semifinal. Um, I think it was second round actually. Second round? Okay, okay. Second round. Anyway, uh, yeah, like she can't used to come out to like this reggae tone sound and deal that was very fun and like leaps and bounds beyond like. 80% of the Mayon Classic generic terrible music. Like, when people talk about um, WWE's uh, interest music or AEW's interest music, like, they have their points about it feeling, like, soulless and mass cr- massly created. Um, but there was nothing worse than the Mayon Classic music. <laughs> it was just awful, most of it. So, for to get, like, she actually had a legitimate hot record. Yeah, I won. And then, like, you know, she would come out um, after she's re-signed, uh, I want to say, maybe, like, six months ago. She's She's been on NXT kind of basically With the playing music. Off the, basically playing off the character that she was in Man Class, where she's basically, like, this super tough... Uh, basically, like a better version of what Mia Yim, except uh, she plays more towards towards down the middle than a baby face. And she comes out now, and she has like this. Uh, I've seen her wear this before, but like she never, uh, they never really showcased it on with WWE. But like she has this mask on. This I don't want to say it's Jimmy Havoc ist, but it's like it's one of these it dark Jimmy black- Havoc esque. That's uh-huh. exactly what it is. Okay, it looked okay. like Jimmy Havoc's mask. <laughs> okay, it, 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 it's in the same family. I don't know if they're brother. I don't know if they're brothers or cousins, but they're they're related. Okay, so uh, she comes down with this mask on. She has different gear than what she normally wears. Um, I don't know if it. I don't. It, it doesn't make what not one is a better aesthetic choice than the other, but it's a it's a digression in character or aesthetic. Um, and you know, she comes out with this dark music and is like, we've always talked about a or AEW with their over reliance on like making things dark just for the sake of making things dark and it's like okay Triple H we get it you listen to fucking Metallica relax um so it was just more of this thing where like I think she's gonna become the resident badass of the division um and she's more capable of doing that but the the, the thing with her was that like she was a great ten- she is a great technical wrestler that come that because of her look you believe that she's a badass. You didn't need to double down on the badassery necessarily. And I think I think she's going to change her wrestling style, which like I'm sure she can do it and make it work. But it's like she already had something I felt that worked and could have could have still accomplished this. But we'll see. She had a match with uh, Santana Garrett. It was a fine match. Um, uh, t- at the end, uh, she, I think she beat her with a choke. Like she hit her Fisherman Buster and then she slapped on a choke. I think. Um, yeah. Or Fisherman Buster Suplex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then, um, do you have any thoughts on that, Chad? Nope. Okay. So then we end up getting to the main event match. Oh, I'm sorry. We end up getting um, a, a promo from Damian Priest. Damian Priest. Uh, at, at, at Rich. Damian Priest cut his second promo worth a damn of his whole of his NXT tenure. Um, he wasn't like it. a robot. All he talked about, I think the thing with him is he's good. He's good when you give him something to actually talk about. Like if you just have him come out there and basically be, you know, cut their standard baby face promo where you just come out and say, Hey guys, I or, am. yeah, like, yeah, he's not going to do that. Like what they basically did was they had him cut a, a Roman Reigns, a Brock Lesnar promo where he called him a bitch at the end and it worked. Ah, cursing. Yeah. Yes. Cursing. 
so uh, they end up working. Uh, they, that's that's set up for next week. Um, and then we end up getting the NFC versus North American title match. Um, I thought it was a really fun match. I don't know. I don't think it was as good as uh, the match we saw a house show match that they had, but it was still a good match. Um, I I think I gave it four or four and a quarter. I can't remember, but it was a fun match. It it basically like did near falls for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> for like 15 minutes of like a 20-something match. So it's like a 20-something minute match. Uh, it was a really fun match. And it sucked that they spoiled the result when they did that type of match because if you already know who won that match, then mm. a match that was built mm. on trying to give you near falls was like, gotcha. I already know who wins. How did, so did it was fine. It was not. Of, did you get spoiled because of the picture that Buddy from uh, Indusheer posted? Or was it something yeah. else? Nope. I'm going to have to uh, place the blame squarely on Wikipedia because oh, I went on man. there to check the match times of the first night uh, uh, and saw, um, I don't remember, at some point it was like, oh, it's like NXT. No, it was what I was, what the hell was I doing? I was looking up something on Wikipedia for NXT mm-hmm. and I started at their generic page and it said current champion, Keith Lee. Uh, like, yeah, that's how to get you. Earth. Yep. So that's how it'll get. So because of that, I mean, I thought it was it was it was a good match, but I never at any point bought that Adam Cole was going to win. So that was disappointing. <laughs> well, you, what a what a swerve that would be! <laughs> like, wait a second, I saw this on the wiki page. What the fuck? <laughs> so it was fun, but I mean, I really, I genuinely, I mean, I I've not seen a ton of Keith Lee like you guys have, or at least you guys have hyped him up for years to me, and um. I've really enjoyed watching him fight bigger guys right. that make him sort of push the limit with mm-hmm. what he can do as opposed to watching him fight little guys who are trying right. to push their limit to see what they can do to beat him. Uh, I think yeah. the story of his matches against smaller guys is just a little less enthralling than some of the stuff that I've that I watched him do with uh, Dijakovic. Right, right. Yeah. So besides I, that, though, I mean, I think the important thing I took away from the Great American Bash main event really wasn't the quality. It was that Keith Lee is the champion. I mean, that's yeah. that's exactly that's, that's it's the exact right way to go. I mean, I think at this yeah. point, would you like to see that happen at a takeover instead of just this hot shot booking, just so you can get um, right. a, a rating uh, against AEW doing their fighter fest thing? Then sure, I think takeover takeover is the best special event franchise until. AEW can definitively top them, and and I think having that as the main event of that show would have felt worthy. And now here we are. Maybe they run it back, but I think the fact that Keith Lee's the champion is a testament to someone in WWE understands that you got to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, your your point about the smaller guy stuff with him, like I think a lot of issue with him is like they feel the need that they have to tell some type of story to justify that this 300 pound dude can wrestle these 180 pound dudes and it's actually a competitive back and forth and it's like they they haven't quite yet learned the lesson that if your smaller dude like wrestles a tough enough rough enough style you can, it, it becomes believable like you put Daniel Bryan in the ring with uh, Keith Lee Ain't nobody gonna be worried about buying it because Daniel Bryan's gonna kick the shit out of him and work over a limb and and and, and brutalize whatever he can do to make it believable. Whereas um, when he's working with uh, 
Roddy Strong or Johnny Gargano, they have to come up with some bullshit fake, clearly uh, put in at the very last minutes, haphazardly injury and have him work from underneath with it. Like whether it was the foot with uh, with Roddy or it was the the hand with uh, with Johnny, and it's like just let them go out there and have their match. It would like I understand that you feel like you need to justify this. However, it's like yes. That would be telling a story. However, not all stories are interesting, or very interesting. Yeah, and I think part of it is the is the dynamic of the big guy being the babyface, and he's wrestling smaller guys that are the heels. I think that I mean naturally the dynamic works better when the big guys the heel and the small guys playing the underdog trying to come back. But I mean, all in all, I mean it's again. I mean, I think it's kind of a moot point at the end of the day because I mean, I mean the fact that Keith Lee is champion is. I mean, that'd be, that, that's kind of the major takeaway. It's, it's yeah. Keith Lee's the number one guy. Hey, second black NXT champion ever. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and, and it seems like we're headed towards uh, him and Cross at some point. Because at the end of the match, and the sudden the pyro's going off, and, and the confetti, um, they cut to a, a bird's eye view shot of uh, Cross and Scarlet, and they're just like happy because it's like. You know, I was basically coming after whoever was next, so it makes no difference to me. Uh, so we'll see what that what that means for the future. I'm assuming takeover. Look, if I know anything about this promotion, it'll be it in three weeks not, or two. It weeks. Is, shit, it might be. <laughs> um, but I was gonna say they ain't really, you know, babyface as a champion ain't really, you know, what they do here. Yeah. So like Finn Balor happened and never again. Like the, like the countdown is on for uh, Cross. Yeah. Um, How much longer do you think Keith Lee is going to be in NXT? I, I would be look. He's going to put uh, crossover, and that's it. Yeah, that could definitely be. I could definitely see that. Because yeah. um, he, he's going to be that contract situation. Like, yep. Uh, it's time similar to go up. To Riddle, very similar to Riddle. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. Honestly, I'm surprised that Riddle's the one that got moved up and not um Keith Lee but then again you know the rumblings the rumblings that uh people were talking about in rumors is like you know you know Ribbles a squeaky wheel so it's like all right let's get him out let's get him up here like we're going to eventually have to give him this extension or whatever you want to call it uh sooner or later she may as well you know handle that now I guess um so Adam Cole's legacy is the NEC champion he's the greatest NEC champion of all time right match quality wise yes absolutely yeah, yeah, length, um, quality. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no question. He put himself. Uh, I thought it's it's kind of an interesting debate to now look back at it and say, you know, I think it's in a lot of ways it's clear Johnny Gargano overall is the number one guy in NXT history just based on the volume of takeover matches over the length of time he's been doing it because mm-hmm. he's been doing it now for four years. But because of the length of the championship reign Adam Cole just had, the quality of what he's done, and the fact that he's been around for now three years, um, I think he put himself in the conversation. And I think you know, it's 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 Gargano, it's Champa, and it's Cole. And you know, I mean, for a guy who, when he debuted, I was there the night he debuted at that takeover I mentioned earlier, and didn't think a whole lot of him at first. It was like, God, this guy looks so small. I feel like I feel like I could kick this guy's ass. And, and then, um, you know, and I'm like six foot, 165 pounds. So, you know, uh, 
you know, I feel like if I stood next to him, I would look like the wrestler. But, um, you know, he really he won me over within about a year and, and just, just been lights out over the past year. I think the, the Adam Cole NXT generation is going to look going to be looked back on very fondly. And I'm curious to see what the next step is for him, too, because, I mean, three years with the Undisputed Era. Did, did did I hear that he re-signed with WWE, or is that still up in the air? So a lot a lot of people don't know. So some people say that he signed an extension when NXT went to USA. Some people say that. I've talked to people that know him and are under the assumption that he is a free agent and he may leave. So I don't know what, what, what's going on with him. I want him to leave after everything yeah. he's done in NXT. It's like if you're a free agent, obviously the obvi- there's an obvious place for him to go, right? Oh but, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, he, yeah. you know, go right back. To I mean, if he showed up, God, <laughs> God, man, <laughs> what would you say? No, I said yeah. Go right back. To, go, uh, go, go right back to Ring of Honor and become the head Booker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I, yeah, I heard. I, I heard I they. I heard they need a new head Booker. <laughs> Well, <laughs> they may. Yeah, they may. Yeah, they may. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I when you when you sit back and you think about it, and you think about who is who his friends are and all that stuff, right. and if he just if he showed up at the ne- if he showed up at the at some point at all out, I mean, dude, <laughs> boy, people would be furious. Oh, it would be a, it'd be hilarious. I just thought of the best storyline for this right he shows up at at an AEW pay-per-view in front of Adam Adam Page right uh, <laughs> or the elite in general right and one of them just one of them pulls the ultimate warrior Hulk Hogan WCW I thought goes, you were dead I thought you were dead <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna happen on BTE for sure. I, I, I now need that. Like after he's after literally Swerve, dead in, in BTE's right. uh, you know story, you know Cannon, the BTE right. universe. BTE, yeah. Like yeah. Yes. after the after uh, Swole did the where to uh, doctor thing to, yes. to Brit to play off the Undertaker <laughs> and Stephanie thing. I now need them to do take historical wrestling one liners. I, I need that. That's funny. Yeah, so um, thanks again for coming on, Chad. Uh, feel free to oh, get up course, yeah, often man. so that you can hop on the show. Um, but in the meantime, uh, do you want to uh, give us some plugs uh, and things to look out for potentially? Well, I will say this. I don't really have anything to plug anymore. But uh, I did do, because I was such a big fan of the Bill Simmons podcast, when he went back and sort of re-looked at some of the conclusions he drew in the book of basketball and did the book of basketball 2.0 podcast. I told rich late last year, I was like, man, that would be a lot of fun to do the same thing with, uh, with the book of sports entertainment that I wrote. And so we have done a few of those. We've got about seven episodes. That's going to comprise the first season of that. It was something that hit me in the early part of the COVID experience and just decided, you know what? I need a fun distraction. And so I recorded a few of those, and I think they're really interesting. The way that they look at some some of the some of the key topics. The last edition of the WrestleMania era, the book of sports entertainment on the greatest wrestler side, came out in 2016. 
So a lot has changed in pro wrestling since then, obviously. So there's conversations to have about where New Japan fits into that conversation now and where AEW does and how high ranking now do we look at someone like Chris Jericho and uh, Rich and I did a podcast on AJ Styles. So that'll be coming out um, at the end of July or early August. So be on the lookout for the WrestleMania era 2.0 podcast. Definitely, okay. man. Look forward to that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so just keep in mind. <laughs> oh my God. This show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. So you always gotta gotta keep it close by, Chad. I, I don't know. I don't know if you you've heard the last couple of weeks. This you, you, you just you know you, when when you hear this sound, you know what it is. Such a perfect segue. Yes, yes. Manscaped. <laughs> be there. You know. Be there. Um, that's, you the, know. That's, that's, the, that's the catchphrase. Be there. Okay. No, fine. So, it, like, you know what it is? Uh, Great product. You know, water resistant technology. Uh, you know, it's uh, you got the light. You know, so you uh, you know you you can't really make a mistake down there unless you try or you're careless. Um, and of course, you know you got the you get another USB cord out of it. So um, remember, always uh, you know keep that junk of yours trimmed, clean it up. You know, uh, you know you get twenty percent off and free shipping with the uh, code Suplex at Manscaped.com. Once again, you get twenty percent in free shipping with the code Suplex at Manscaped.com. That is twenty percent with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code Suplex. Yeah, and I, and I'll add to that. Look. Uh, some of y'all that listen to this are freaks, right? And that's fine. <laughs> Let your free flag fly. But one thing I will suggest to you, if you are a freak, if you want freaky things done to you, I suggest you make it uh, easier for yourself to have freaky things done to you. So, go, so Rich, go ahead and hit it. Tighten up. It is not the 80s anymore. Clean it up. <laughs> Alright, so we just let Chad off the call. Um... And yeah, I guess we'll save the our thoughts on New Japan Cup for when I invade your uh, your call in for uh, tomorrow's show on Kiss. Uh, sorry, so just a heads up. I know Jeremy probably gonna hear this be like, okay, I guess you know whatever else. But uh, yeah, so so yeah. Um, only thing left is uh, this weekend's main events from the two Stardom shows. Rich, so hit the music. Yeah, so on Saturday they had a main event of Donna Del Mondo versus Oedotai. It was Julia and Himeka and Micah versus Natsuko, Natsu, and Saki. That was probably the worst start of main event of 2019. 
2018. I'm gonna go back in time, Rich. 2020. This because we're trying to get the fuck out of this year. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the crazy thing is, like, we're now on the other part of the second half of the year, so like, it's closer to actually get to 2021. (laughs) It's like, please, 2021. Where are you? Yeah. Um. They say you got a cure. Like the (laughs) kid. Okay, so the chemistry that. Shingo Takagi has with show. If there was a bizarro opposite world, uh, I think it would apply to that of Natsuko, Tora, and Julia. Um, I did not like their main event uh, final match of the Cinderella tournament, and this was all of the worst parts of it uh, right there on display to start the match. Um... I don't I don't know why they don't go well together but they do they just do not. Um thank God Hameka was there and and Micah were there and Natsu and uh Saki were there to bring life to them when those two were away from each other. Match actually was respectable um or even play points good when uh those two were not in the ring against each other. So uh there's so much wrestling I've watched over the last two days but uh what I will say is a notable thing is like Hameka keeps shining um, in these time in times where she's in the ring during these tag matches. She gets a spot where she gets Saki and Natsu up on the uh, second rope in one corner and she stacks both of them on her shoulder and Lex Luger torture acts both of them rich. <laughs> I-, I popped. <laughs> I was like, this is the best thing I've seen. This is the best thing I've seen since the, since the, uh, the Canadian Destroyer. Um, uh, there's another spot where Nat, you know, Natsu does her corner thing. She gets advantage on Hameka. Um, she does her, you know, her Bronco Buster thing where she starts humping people in the face. <laughs> Hameka lifts her from that position when she's, you know, bodies against the bottom rope, lifts her all the way up, and then, and then power bombs her. I, I love this woman. I can't wait. To, I cannot wait till we get to the Grand Prix and she has some fucking war with either Utami or Jungle. It's going to be great. Um, she, she continues to impress. Uh, but at the end, you end up getting Saki, who is somebody that I thought w- could possibly be the pin eater. You're not really sure in that makeup of... In your opinion, if you put Nasuko, Natsu, and Saki as a in a trios match, who do you think is a pin eater? Uh, who do you think is a pin eater? Um, I would think it's Saki, right? Right. So Saki's in the ring with Julia. They hit their tandem finish move on um, Saki, where it's basically a gourd buster, and as they bring down, uh, two people bring someone down for the gourd buster, uh-huh. and one person basically free and basically drop lifts up a knee and they as they come from falling down they basically get impaled with somebody's knee it's awesome they do that and then julia goes for her finish and saki escapes and then slaps on her her crucif- her flash crucifix pin and pins julia and i was there like different what <laughs> why um and it made me think like oh yeah before all this shit shut everything down, the trio champions are um, Donna Del Mondo without Hameka, but with Shuri, they're the three champions. And Oedotai had beat 
the top three of TCS, Hannah in in Konami in Jungle, and they were owed a number one contender, sh- uh, a title shot at the artist titles. So this is bringing that back up. So it's like I'm glad they didn't leave that thread um, unanswered. Yeah. So they got back to that. So uh, they talked about they wanted a their title shot. It was funny because of like how ridiculous that win was, right? Oedo type beats them and then they leave and they let Donald Domano sign off on the show, which lets you know, like, oh, this is definitely a fluke. <laughs> so <laughs> this is definitely the summer title challenge and nothing else. So that was it. That was Saturday. That was Saturday's uh, main event. Uh, and then we got this morning's main event. Um, Rich. We found Riho. She's in Japan. I heard about about that. Yes, she she actually made her return um, and Gato move uh, right. like last week, I believe. Right, right. I follow a couple of the Riho uh, accounts on Twitter that people that are very big fans of Riho, and they tell me her are everywhere about. She had a nice AW sticker on the wall of Gato move that yeah. she was she was uh, out there with. That's not even necessarily hers. Like that is Emmy's. Sakura, like she. Oh, okay, she has, yeah. She has been putting on the dynamite thing on the banner for like a few weeks now. I, I, you know, I keep some tabs on the on the wackiness that I see on my YouTube of some gif of like, what are what are these numbskulls doing now? What are shenanigans are they up to now? But uh, and I saw that. But anyway, yeah, Riho uh, had a I think it was dubbed as a homecoming match in Gato Move, but she was actually in this main event trio, another trios match. Um, the same top three. It was uh the same three from uh. Yesterday's show, it's um, from Donald Mondo. It's Julia, it's Micah, it's Hameka, and against them is Riho, Starlight Kid, and Tam. Now, <clears throat> the world's cutest, the real world's cutest tag team. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> the, yes, the world's cutest tag team and the world's cutest wrestler all put together. Just bunches of cuteness. So, um, yeah, that's what. Tam's calling herself the cutest in the universe. I don't know if you... Or the cutest in the cosmos. Something, some shit like that. Cutest and it's more than just the world. Amazing. Whatever. So, uh... At the... Stardom... As the, as the show that we got three weeks ago, when the first show that we had from Stardom in almost like two months, um... Tam and Julia <clears throat> beat the crap out of each other. Um... She, uh... She... Julia ended up putting Tam at one point against the ropes and came off the other ropes and, and hit a, a running big boot uh, so hard that it gave Tam a black eye. And um, <clears throat> she still has a black eye now. It hasn't even cl- cleared up yet. But anyway, um, match is paired off where you have um, Starlight Kid versus Micah. You have Riho versus Hameka, which is hilarious because you know four, yeah, size four, difference. Four ten, four eleven versus five, eight, five seven, some shit like that, and they're just going back and forth. But Rio, you know, Rio has experience wrestling women a lot, a lot bigger than her, and it, it looked believable, looked very good. Um, very great wrestling between those two. They end up in a standoff. Then you end up getting Starlight Kid versus Micah. Micah gets the advantage, gets in uh, Julia. Julia beats the crap out of. Uh, Starlight Kid, Starlight Kid mounts a comeback, and then it breaks off into just people running in, hitting like team faction moves or whatever else, and then 
Wendell's down and you end up getting Tam in the ring versus, I believe it was uh, Hameka. Beats her down. Hameka lays a small beat down on her. Tags in Julia. Julia comes with the advantage. And she beats the crap out of Tam. And Tam keeps taking and Tam keeps eating it. And Tam keeps goes into... Uh, I don't think I've ever talked to you about Tam face, but she has a face. Like how Bushi has the Stone Cold Killer face. Tam has this I'm crazed Mickey James WrestleMania 22 face. Like anything can happen right now. I'm out of my mind. And she's 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 just eating the contact. She gets back to her feet, fights back, fights back. And they have a great strike exchange between big boots and and um and forearms and and, and kicks. And then Tam ultimately ends up winning that exchange. Uh, they end up both getting a double down tag out. <clears throat> and then ends up uh, where it's Starlight Kid in the ring. Starlight gets isolated. She puts up a hell of a fight against Julia. And Julia ultimately wins by hitting her, her tombstone. Gets to win. It's a match I gave four stars. This is easily the best uh, tag match that has happened in stardom since... Uh, uh, when Domino Model won the uh, trios belts um, against uh, Queen's Quest, uh, it just great tag team wrestling. Everybody working, busting their ass, and the great the story. Uh, so Julie gets to win and says, and gets on the mic and says, "Tam, you're no, you're irritating as hell. You become a pest to me." Um, and so she says, "You know what? Uh, how about this? I, how about I? You know, I won the Cinderella tournament." Your little friend uh, ran ran out. She didn't say ran out. She uh, your little friend can't defend the title anymore. She's no longer a champion. How about me versus you for the white belt? Tam Tam tell, says that <clears throat> I made a promise to Arissa that like the next champion is going white belt champion is going to be me. So you're on. Out comes Nasico. Nasico says, "How the hell did you get to jump in line, Tam?" Uh, talks about how you know she was owed the title. She actually beat Arissa back in February. In a, mat, in a tag match, um, says, I'm, I'm owed a t- t- title shot for anyone else. Make it a three-way. Out comes Konami. At the three weeks ago show, it was a singles match between Nasco and Konami. Konami's out wrestling Nasco. Nasco grabs her steel chain and does so much cheating that the ref has to DQ her, which is like, this. I think, the first DQ I've seen in stardom in like over half a year. Anyway, um, Konami comes on and says... Like, you know, you're owed this title shot, but I beat you because you were shook off the realness. Make it a, make it a, tag, a white belt tag tournament. Um, now, three weeks ago when we talked about that show from three weeks ago, I said this looks like this potentially setting up for a tournament. That's exactly what they gave us. So, I love it. I'm with it. Um, I, per- I don't know what the arrangement is going to be, but I personally hope that it's going to be uh, Tam versus uh, Konami. It's a match that like, I would love to see. I haven't seen it yet in a singles form. Um, and then eventually you end up getting uh, Tam versus Julia for whoever's the white belt champion, whoever's the white belt champion. That's cool. But like there are four, there, there are three people. There are three great, great options. Um, now, if they, now if they come out here and put evil, in, <laughs> put the white belt on evil, I'm going to have a fucking problem, but I don't think that's going to happen. What are your thoughts on uh, this? Uh, this layout, Rich? Um, you, you can do a lot worse than having a tournament. Uh, I think that's just the the easy way to go rather than just having two people like say, hey, let's just book a match for the belt that neither of y'all won, but y'all got to beat each other for. Right. Um, 
you know, that's that seems to be like the theme of the year. There's been lots of tournaments uh, in every promotion, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, and a nice, like, little four. Per- it gives them an attraction, too. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's, it, that's it, where it's going to be. It's going to be at the the uh, the Corican Hall that they're going to have on, I think it's Friday, this this coming Friday. So, like, right. you know, they, they were like, so, how are they going to fill this out with matches for Corican Hall? Well, there's three matches right there. Right. And, like, you can see, like, um, other promotions, like, uh, as soon as they win the lockdown, AEW pulls out the TNT title tournament. Right. There's the um, Cruiserweight. Cruiserweight Classic Tournament uh, that is out there. Uh, New Japan, when they, they come back immediately with New Japan Cup. So it's like, you don't really have to do a bunch of just in-depth storytelling. It's just like, all right, there's a tournament. Right. So this is kind of like the playbook. Yeah, and also, I think there's a, there's a precedent for when someone has to vacate the title. Like, um... After um, when when Yoshiko back in 2015 shot on at uh, Yasukawa, um, she was the white belt. It was a red belt title match, but Act was the white belt champion. So after you know she had to you know go away because her face got broken a million pieces uh, places. I believe there was a tournament, and Mayu won the tournament, and that's how uh, I'm sorry, Io won the tournament. Um, and that's how they got out of that situation. I believe so. Um, I'd have to look into that. Like, my, 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 I'm sorry, but my, my 2015 stardom isn't that good. <laughs> I don't know that much about stardom 2015. Uh, shame, but, shame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm gotta working clean on that it, up. Got to clean that up, Doctor Joji. I'm working on it, Rich. Uh, would would you believe it or not? Through uh, nefarious means, I have found a way to come across. Most of the stardom shows dating back even 2011. I and would you like to guess how many gigs of a, on my hard drive that's going to take up once I'm finished uh, procuring all of it? Notice how I'm saying certain words that don't mean necessarily. Yes, uh, pirating. Sorry. <laughs> right. As I, I didn't hear "buy" in there anywhere. Right. So. Right. Right. Um, I would guess 75 gigs. No, go way higher. Really? Yeah, wait. Uh, 250 gigs. Double it. It is like 500 and something gigs. I am downloading every single piece of it. Just to wow. have. Just to wow. have. Just to have. I have the space. Yeah. I have two I have two different hard drives. So, there you go. Uh that will be that will be that will be sitting there as an anchor just eating up space there for a while. So, if there's like I want to see, you know, some Natsuki Taiyo match or whatever else versus Io Shirai from, I don't know, 2013 or 14. Sure, I'll go out there, I'll pull it up, and I'll go watch basically Io Shirai versus another uh, you know what you, you know what you can watch? You can watch the match uh, where Tessa Blanchard around the time when she called La Rosa Negra. <laughs> you can see it. It was working around that time. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I've actually, it's funny because I've actually seen matches from that era, and uh, and you see Tessa there, and then like now you think about it, it's like oh, like she's this is fresh off her niggering. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, La Rosa Negra. That's that's great, great. Uh, but yeah, that's um, like I said, the the Corican Hall show they're having is on um is on Friday. Um, the rest of the shows from these, the rest of the match from these two shows from the weekend will be up before then. Uh, they they've, they've mentioned that. Um, so I'm assuming we'll figure out what, what the rest of it is. I'm a, and, um, I saw a promo from the first night because they're still doing this whole thing where it's like, nobody knows who's wrestling anybody. We're supposed, we want you to believe that these guys are just getting thrust out there to go, you know, yeah. 20, 25 minutes with no clue what the fuck. The no idea. Is. Right. So, um, 
so while they've been doing that, instead of having the pre-match promos where they come out, they do unit promos where like the facts get together, um, and they say whatever you want to say for the for like a minute or two, and then like they just bring out the matches. So on the Saturday show, uh, Mayu mentioned that like she is looking for a rival because her rival is no longer with us anymore. Uh, her clearly we're headed towards Hannah versus uh, Mayu for the red belt. We didn't get it. Uh, J- Jungle is back now, by the way. Um, I, she was she took place so she uh, was in the promo um, for TCS. So um, you know we were supposed to be getting um, a Nagoya Jungle Red Belt Title Challenge. Uh, we never got it because of this damn virus that wants to like ruin you know so my, is, my, it, my life. Uh, so everyone's so, life, so, but my life as a professional wrestling fan. So, so is, is Rossi about to dip into the? Snippy. Fritz von Eric, um, <laughs> Vince McMahon, uh, win it for Someone Hannah. Else. Yeah, um, with 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 Jungle is, is Rossi about to step in the uh, in the shoes? Uh, I could see it, but it won't be immediately. Uh, I think if I were to pick, if I were to pick, like who would be the Grand Prix winner? I would say either because of the history of it, either B. Or if she can make it back to the country, or Jungle for to set up for this match, for that reason, do I think that Jungle is going to be the next Red Bell champion? I do not, but I think that they will set it up to where like she goes chasing after it and have some four and three quarter star match with with Mayu. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what I think is in the in the future down like before the end of the year we're going to get a you know we're going to get back to that match with the added layer of wanting to win this for my friend. Um, but as far as, uh, who her next red belt challenger could be, I mean, there's still Takumi Hiroha, um, you know, that whole, ma- that, that great match they had at the beginning of February, like the whole thing was she got overwhelmed and she said, like, I want you to challenge for this belt. And we never got back to that because of this damn virus. This virus is ruined so much, Rich. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah so that's pretty much it, man. Like, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much in the show. Is there anything else you want to add? Like, who would you uh, like to see? Who would you like to see? Like, mix it up with Mayu at the top. I, I think that you're talking about like it, it, it's rough because like it they lost so feels, much top. They talent. lost so much top talent, so it's like like Kagetsu um, Hazuki could always challenge for a red for the red belt um they lost Arissa for a white belt versus red belt thing yeah. they lost Hannah who seemed like the the heir apparent yep um i, I think uh, i think you got to go go outside the box like i'll pick i'll do Shuri in a one off title match i'll do yeah um i can see that definitely i'll do uh, a momo match uh, with with Mayu, I think uh, I think you can't get the Momo until like after the Grand Prix because you know they, they, they the January show they had that match. Hell, give Azumi a shot. Azumi, <laughs> I don't think. Um, I don't Look, think if, you, if you're going in there to lose anyway, like. Um, know. I would like to see Utami after because uh, Utami's never went for had a red belt title shot. Um, I think. Um, you got to figure out what the situation is with Jamie and B as far as if, when they'll be back. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like, I think we're at a point now because they lost so much talent. They might do what they did, you know, after the shoot shit happened in 2015 where, like, they start outsourcing some of these title shots. So, mm-hmm. 
Like, you know, I could see, like, you know, an Arroyo Matsumoto coming in for a no, Riho. Possibly. I, th- I, th- I think we got to just be lucky we get Riho at all. <laughs> you know, this, you these know, semi retired you know, Riho. You know, we can, we can, we can switch the belt to Riho real quick and, and bring her on Dynamite uh, out with the belt, oh you know, get, get some good, good exposure and then, you know, a center back. Do you, you know? know do you know how furious I would be? Like they never did they ever put the red belt on on AEW television when B was champion? I don't think yeah, they did. They did. She oh, they she did? came out okay. with the belt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. And and what's her name came out with the Tokyo Joshi Pro Shoko Nakajima. Okay. 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 Was a uh, Shoko was on the was that fight for the fallen? Fight for the fallen, That's the right. first one. That's right. Yeah. And then she had the match with Riho on Dark. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. In Alabama. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on out to Alabama. We going to book you. <laughs> yes. And then she made like the pictures they were showing her backstage in Rio. She was kind of like, like she did not look happy for someone that's typically pleasant. She did not look happy. Like I've seen, I've seen her when she was out there doing, uh, was it CM- yeah, I think it was CMLL. She was doing CMLL, and she was out here in Mexico City. She had a sombrero on, and she was on top of a horse. She looked happy. What's there to do in Alabama? That's where I was getting at. But she was out there in Alabama. She was like, what What am I going to do? Like, they don't even want that? me here. What is that flag that's up? At- oh, oh, never mind. Can <laughs> <laughs> you imagine trying to explain to a, Jap- a, a, a Japanese young person like the history of the Confederacy? Can you imagine? Like they they what? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So um. Anyway, that's the end of the show. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Uh, tell the people about the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Um. Leave a review. Five stars. Um. Also, uh, shout out to Power Slam. They're one of the sponsors of this show. They have over five thousand hours of footage from all over the world. You can use the code Social Suplex to get your free months trial. Um, be sure to go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex and pick up some official Social Suplex Podcast Network merchandise. Um, check out the other sh- these shows on the network. We have this show on Sundays, sometimes Mondays. Uh, keeping the Strong Style on Mondays and Tuesdays. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Podcast. On every other Wednesday, we have Roman Washes Shit. On Fridays, we have Get in the Ring. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite. Thanks for listening. Peace. Later.